Hi, everybody. Welcome to FNS Wrestling Podcast, episode 164. There's a lightsaber in my face, but I'm back was, in the basement. I was going to start staring at it to see if my eyes will go weird, but I figured that was stupid. Yeah. So we are back down to talk about another week of wrestling. We're going to have to go back a week in time and remember AEW one show, All Out. The one that we finished. Right. And then As we'll I'm, talk I'll about do that with a lightsaber. We'll talk about payback. Nah. When we get there. Um, or lack thereof. Could be lack thereof. Whatever. Yes, for sure. I don't know. But um, just before you got home from work, I was interesting. I was going back. So as you may know, my son here, you know, and listeners may know or not, I have a bit of an audio gear obsession, you would agree? Yes. <laughs> yes. That, that's your half of the shelf. Correct. And specifically microphones, most specifically, right? So totally put the lightsaber there. I go back and was listening to some old episodes because... Here's the level of my nerd, like that. my level of my nerdery. I I write down what microphones we're using every week because we switch them up a lot because I have a collection. I don't even know if you notice sometimes when I switch them on you, but I almost never do. Right. So I like to go back sometimes and listen to one. I on go, the other hand don't listen to them at all. Because like if I go, oh, episode eighty six sounded really good. What were we using? I can go and look. Right. That's just so sad to me but you should do you have them in a google sheet no i just should, write them down on this i would put notebook them in a google here sheet because then you like that that's gonna run out eventually it is almost at the point so of running i out. would like spend like i'm analog baby it. i like the notebook on a clipboard you know i do like that too and i i get where you're coming from but i would still probably convert it just to just for ease of use you know so the point was i went back and listened to episode 90 which was a and b do you know why it was a and b I don't even know what that means. They, we did two episodes. We did an episode 90A and a 90B. Oh, no. It was WrestleMania. So we did both nights. That makes sense. And we me. hated it. And it was good listening. I was like, man. Oh, it's the last year's we mania. Were both that so, mania was bad. We were both so frustrated. It would just made that for probably so good stupid. listening. Oh, yeah. I love crapping on something intensely. Yeah. Which we'll probably get to in the news. <laughs> we could. Um. But, like, and it's weird because Mania this year was really good, actually. It was, but I think it might make for better podcasts. Oh, when no, we don't I'm, both I'm really, really, I really get into it when I'm crapping on something. Because they're just, like, frustrated because match after match well, was and just there was the Vince bad. thing. Yeah. Uh, Brawling Bruce had random squash. Pat McAfee sucked. Yeah. Uh, There's the Jackass thing. And yeah. The main event was boring. It was just interesting because I picked, just randomly picked episodes. Mm-hmm. I picked 70-something, which is going back pretty far, and then 90 and so tomorrow we are, being the wrestling nerds we are, a uh, little indie federation that we f- frequent. This may be our fifth time going or something like that. Mine, I think. Maybe Somewhat, you're one yeah. less. But anyways, they're doing a little show in a city about 20 minutes from us. So we're going to scoop you up from work and race down to watch that. I haven't even seen anything on the card or anything, but it doesn't matter. I haven't seen them post anything. So Tickets are under follow. 20 bucks. We It's like two and a half hours of, you know, sometimes we see some good wrestling there. Yeah. And sometimes no matter what, we have fun. It's, it's it's decent. And people watching is always good, too. Yeah. That's the... Do I you, love people watching. GCW is the, the vlogger guy. the From Ringside Heat. The social media guy. That, why am I plugging them? <laughs> Oh yeah, you actually looked him up. They right? are. I d- I did find him. I I I actually remember what his Instagram is, um, which I'm not gonna plug. But yeah, he w- that was the one that was in a different video. And had the and there was the guy in the like the Pokemon onesie. Because uh, yeah, right. Almost every indie show we go to, there's some sort of memorable fan. Which there also was, I actually you saw, saw one in the wild. I saw one at. <laughs> she was working at Fan Expo. I'm almost positive she was working when we went to see Smash Wrestling at uh, Rec Room. 
Rec Room in Toronto. That makes sense because Rec Room's close Have to Metro. Have we seen her once or twice at it? I feel like it's twice, Me but too. for sure once. And she's just very memorable. Yeah. She's very... I love, I love people watching. Much loves wrestling and interacts. Clearly goes to every show Smash does and like tries to interact with everybody. People are fascinating. Sometimes. They are fascinating. So yeah. that should be something fun to do tomorrow night. But uh, I don't know. I don't really have much I'm else. I'm currently enjoying how the lightsaber looks on the black turned off TV screen. It looks In the funny studio, yeah. It looks like, nice. That looks funny to me. So you may hear lightsaber sounds in the background. At well, some point, yeah, I haven't muted right now, but I feel like when it like powers off, it usually tells me so as yeah. well. So and yeah, it's currently Friday night, uh, September eighth. So we uh, Victory Road is Impact Wrestling. Yeah, pay per view question mark. Don't uh, I guess. I don't know if it's one of the mini ones or whatever they call them. But I would assume, yeah. It's happening Victory right now. Victory Road's a good one, though, because that's when Jeff Hardy did the thing that Jeff Hardy did in TNA that everyone knows about. Right. He did. That was 2011. Or didn't do the thing. Or, yeah, whatever he did or didn't do. Right. Didn't end up doing. Just, what did they tell him? Like, just, did he take, like, one move or whatever and it was he, over? like, it was thing to the Scorpion Death Drop and he, like, shoot pinned him. Right. Oh, shoot pinned him. He was trying to kick out. Yeah, because Bischoff came out and like just yeah, it was like you're wasted. You yeah. can't do this. And yeah, Sting like shoot pinned him, and then the crowd was chanting BS, and Sting said, "I agree." Yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, that's how that went. Good stuff. I don't know. You ready to get into? It's probably gonna. I don't think it'll be super long, but it won't be short. It's never short. It's so never short. We should probably get started. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's take a look first at some of the week's wrestling news and rumors. All right, our weekly ratings. NXT this week, 673,000 viewers, up 9.6%. 0.18 in the key demo, up 12.5%. So nice to have up 10% at least, pretty much, in both categories. Third time in the last four weeks. That sh- <laughs> so Remember I told you these are interesting ones this week? Sorry. Here's the one for NXT. They're always grasping at interesting things I don't understand. The third time in the last four weeks that the show has had a year-over-year viewership decline. Before that, NXT had a five-week stretch of increases. I guess that makes sense. Processing, processing. Yeah, I think that, it does. It, it makes sense. As it's I just funny it. how they... It's just... I, I, and I never would have thought of that. How they decide to latch on to something each week, Yeah, I seems. don't... I would never think of that. Uh, so Dynamite averaged 887,000 viewers up. Very modest 1.8%. Earned a 0.31 in the key demo. Up 33 so no big move this week for them. Fourth highest rating the show has drawn in the demo since NBA season ended in June. That was the one I liked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I guess, like, I guess that makes sense. I guess, sure, but now we're going by when their competition stopped competing with them. I, I guess. Kind of. Like, yep. Interesting. Sure. All right, what do you have for us? Um, the happiest moment of my life, perhaps. What was that? The Dudley Boy signing Legends contract. <laughs> yes, yes. You that back to that gimmick. Because <laughs> I, I, I want bullet. I want uh, I want Dudley Boy's figures. That's that's what I. Who doesn't? So, desperately after. Um. Does this mean he's going to get out of Impact, or I can he know. do both? I, They'll I, probably I, let him. I don't know. I, he, mean, I, I bet you. He, it's like you can do what you want. You just have to be available if we want you for whatever on a Talking and Heads then, before a pay per view or Hall of Fame. Make merch off of them. Like they could. Pro- they'd probably be in the next game. They'd probably get figures again. Exactly. Maybe some Dudley Boys merch again. You know, or get like a Reverend, a replica Reverend Devon uh, donation box. That's... Get get that going. Yeah. Get some Deacon Batista merch going. Absolutely. I remember that. That's when he first came up. That was his first thing, I think, yeah. 
That's that's what we're all looking forward to. All right. Uh, what do I have? Zoe Stark apparently getting a lot of praise within WWE, according to Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful. Probably because Trish is so bad, she makes Zoe look good. Great, re- great reviews from talent um, that she's worked with on main roster, as well as backstage people for how she's handled call-up duties. And also before that, she had they were impressed with how she handled the knee injury and coming back from that and looking just as good as she did before sort of thing. So good, because we liked her, right, in NXT. Yeah, Once she sort good. of figured her character out a I bit. I liked her in-ring. She's, really she's good in-ring for sure. And the, the Zoe-to-sleep finisher shout-outs, I think that's Poison Rana's. That's the fun. I wish that was the name. It should be. Um, it's a cool looking move. I was just like, I saw something from the Street Profits, and they did like a knockoff Street Sweeper, and I was just thinking, Street Sweeper, it's got to be one of my favorite moves. It's names. good. It's, it's a good just move. one of those ones that sounds cool and it looks as cool as it sounds. It does. It's just, it's, it's perfect. Uh, what do you got? Um, the the biggest news of the week, which probably happened, like I wish if we had recorded a little bit later, or if, like if we recorded the Saturday night, we could have gotten it. But um, CM Punk was finally fired by AEW. When the, did that happen? Did we not? We it haven't was, talked about it? Uh, or it might have been Friday night. I don't know. Because they mentioned it on Collision. So it might have been. I don't know. But we didn't talk about it no, on we the didn't show. Talk about it. Yeah. I remember I was at work and it was like an hour in and my friend texted me about it. And I was like, no way. And then I looked at the news. And where was and I? I came home and you couldn't know. wait I to text- tell me. Oh, because you were at Lyle's. Oh, right, right, right. And it was genuinely. I. I don't know if I'm joking or not, but genuinely one of the happiest moments very of my happy. life. I almost had tears of joy. So, this so, is like, I've been waiting for this for over a year now. So released with cause, meaning like yes. fired, basically. Yeah, for hold being on. Dumb. I screenshotted the AEW statement because so Is it like your uh, it, lock I, screen? Honestly, it would be funny to frame <laughs> it and put it up here. Sure. <laughs> that'd be so funny. Big punk um, supporters. So... All Elite Wrestling has terminated the wrestler and appointment agreements between Philip Brooks, a.k.a. CM Punk, and AEW with cause effective immediately. Termination was confirmed by people, including Tony Khan. Uh, it follows the event, the or sorry, the backstage altercation and an internal investigation of said thing from All In uh, London on August 27th. Uh, Tony Khan is quoted as saying, Phil played an important role within AEW, and I thank for his contributions. The termination Bye-bye. of his AEW contracts with cause is ultimately my decision and mine alone. Of course, I wish I didn't have to share this news, which may come as a disappointment to many of our fans. And then blah, 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 other stuff. AEW's still going to do whatever. Um, and then on Collision, he also said his life, or he felt his security, his yeah. his life were in danger. Right. Lull, because CM Punk's a danger. Yeah, and I had an update sort of linked to that, too. Um, there was rumors, right, that there was supposed to be a meeting between the Bucks and Punk planned to take place before All In. But Meltzer said that the Bucks were never approached about that, probably because there was no belief they would say yes to oh, it man. right I'm, so i was overjoyed with this it's like you were saying it's vindication yeah uh it's the ultimate i told you so kind of right like um, this is what we said he was and what he would do and it was never he's done it every it time always a fragile piece when he came back i yes. think and to even call it a piece is a stretch because he like was banning people from collision he needs to get and, some like, help with some stuff for sure yeah I, like as much as we dislike him, whatever, we hopefully he figures out whatever his problem is because he needs some work. Or at the work. very least just goes away forever. That's fine. And um, to know that he's probably not thrilled with this and a bunch of CM Punk marks are not thrilled with this, that fills me with joy. And apparently, too, AEW informed the elite of a legal letter sent to them regarding the stuff they do on um, being the elite. Said that it violates a term of their non-disparagement agreement. So Punk wasn't happy with 
they were nuts. Oh, they he, were not nice a, to him on their on a YouTube show. Right. Yeah, I also saw a thing. But other people need to toughen up and not be so soft. The opposite of punk or similar, but also going back to influence was Danielson. I saw that like Tony Khan literally said to his dad that like if something were to happen, he should go to Danielson. Right. Which I thought was really cool because yeah. that's literally the opposite of what He's punk turned out to be. Anti-punk. And I, it's really interesting. I must. I do kind of feel bad for Tony Khan because I watched a retrospective of punk and it's like. At the first, he loves scrum, punk. He loved punk. Oh, he, he was does. like head over heels, and it was like the happiest day of his life when he got signed. And then you flash forward a year later, and then we had the brawl out thing. Yeah, and we're con- or sorry, punk's just like going off, and Khan's like right there. It's just, I do feel a little bad for him in that re- respect. But again, we told you so. Yeah, I think I I've been kind of against him ever ever since he came after Hangman because. I don't know what the hell Hangman ever did other than like one promo. Like, right. Boo hoo. That could have been settled in a conversation. Or better yet, just have Punk Punk can say stuff too. I'm not, and I'm not talking about that time when remember he called out Hangman. Yes. Even though he knew he wasn't there. Like that's, right. that's, that's, that's stupid. That's but like, CM Punk. I don't know. Anyways, that was dumb. And all the, all this, the nonsense is just the brawl out, the brawl in everything and i did find it funny that immediately after he got fired they had back-to-back shows in chicago that made me chuckle that is funny i was hoping the crowd would be annoyed i'm but, sure you'd be surprised uh, to hear that Meltzer also said many others talked about the backstage atmosphere as if a dark cloud had been lifted over their heads and yeah. how much fun it was on the weekend shows yeah i think it's i think the backstage drama is going down a lot now yeah and i was telling you it's like this hate-filled void there's this hate filled void someone will step up and fill the void of hate for you yeah it's just like on some level you love to hate it you you, i think it is a love-hate relationship there are love to hate rather um it is just something to behold all his backstage drama every week it was like i would say almost every pretty much he was or whatever he did lingered capacity. long enough till the next thing like if it was a yeah. couple weeks we we're still talking about the jack Berry thing was basically yeah. right like or no that would have been a week because it was between all in and all out and also related to that and i'll just throw it in now is his buddy a steel also obviously released of um five days after punk he was only there to appease punk that was one of punk's must-haves to be back and once he's gone I told Why you. Why would they keep him? My notes said there's no need to keep the amateur cannibal around. <laughs> the so he's gone too. Cannibal wannabe. Sorry, what else do you have? I only have like two, three other things. Um, one other thing related to Mr. Brooks once again. Um, apparently there were plans for a potential WWE return at the end of last year. Yeah. Um, which I find absolutely crazy. Can have him. <laughs> yeah, I don't wish that on them. Wow. Not I don't even wish on... that on them. If it was Vince, sure, because he will. True, keep... that would he, make a. a I don't respect or like Vince in any capacity. B, he would probably rein it in anyways. Yeah. Um, Triple H would too, but Triple H, I think, and another reason why I like him, he doesn't like Punk either. And no. I think that's well documented, which good, I used to Good kinda, judge of character. I used to kind of have an issue with because, like, I don't know, Punk was cool in WWE and whatever, but uh, new, there's a new light on things, so I do respect it. I say things. it all the time. As hard as I am on Punk and as much as I dislike him, the summer of Punk, the the uh, Cena punk feud like kind of reignited some wrestling fandom for me. I was just kind of going through the motions and then that mm-hmm. was an awesome stretch of stuff, man. Yeah. And he didn't cause drama back then. So. And he, he found a bigger villain in Vince, right. To, to play off of. So it worked really mm-hmm. well. Um, so for the potential return was, it was, he was, 
He was willing to leave AEW in favor of a comeback last December. Um, he sought to compete in the Rumble and feud uh, with someone at Mania, uh, potentially against whoever eliminated him from the Rumble. Um, Kevin Owens was mentioned for this spot, um, which I'm glad that didn't happen because I think his storyline with Sami Zayn in the bloodline is infinitely better than anything he would have done with CM Punk. And you know Punk's going to come out on top in the end of yeah, whatever and feud he's I in, think probably. him main eventing with Sami Zayn Winning the tag titles, I, I, and especially for me, like I love that yep. match that right. they had with the Usos for main roster match. I love it. I absolutely love it. And uh, if it was replaced with Punk, uh, that would just be lame. Um, there's no word on whether WWE were interested in that, but I think this was like kind of his pitch. I don't. I'm not really sure what really happened with that, but I think it's interesting at least. And maybe they have a happened. Maybe they know. already have an offer in, and he's he's sabotaging his AEW to go, be able to go. He's like he's Vince Russoing it or something, right? Then like isn't like the conspiracy theory that uh, Russo was sent to destroy WCW? Yeah, that so, kind of thing. <laughs> did a good job. Yeah, <laughs> he did a great job. Uh, did you see that Gable Stevenson has been removed from I NXT did roster? Just see that, like I think either today or the other day. And so obviously you would go like, then he must be going back to amateur wrestling. But he also withdrew from um the senior world championships. So maybe he's just th- going all in on the Olympics. Maybe. I don't know what he's doing, but uh won't see him on any as we expected, right? Like Yeah. Or so no, I expected him to stay when he was like Well yeah, and because he just did a count. So it's out. the opposite of what I expected. He, well yeah, because he just did a count out draw and then we were just he's like, gone. okay, bye. Well I think part of it might be he didn't get the reaction, right? Like he was getting booed even though Against he, Corbin. Right. Wasn't supposed to be. So that might have been a red flag for them. To yeah, I wonder if they repackage him. I wonder or, if the fans are just too aware of what I he's think done. so. So maybe they're hoping that people will forget after a while, but I have a They're feeling. gonna change his name. They might not. They're gonna do that because they're like taking away right. someone's first name magically like he'll be something Kemp and they can be brothers like <laughs> the new Creed brothers and away you go. Well I I, I like to think of like those take away like he'll just be Gable or something. Yeah. Because like they t- they just made him riddle and like oh you can't search up things about him now like that's stupid or it'll be Steve Gabeson or something bizarre they'll they'll do the Daniel Bryan method where you just change around that's right just swap va- it va- out just move around the variables you know yep I have two more WWE related ones you had anything no I'm I'm tapped out well one of them was Gunther what's the news with Gunther finally broke the record he did. He is officially recognized as the longest reigning intercontinental champion. I saw he's champion. the only wrestler that the, in WWE to have two longest reigns because also he is the UK one. Nice. And which is cool because at least, at the very least, the UK one's untouchable now. Uh, super happy for him, man. He, oh, yeah. Because I think when they, he changed to awesome. Gunther, there was a very real risk of him just getting ruined. Anytime anyone goes from NXT to main roster, there's like well, a better than 50% forget, chance Vince they will nearly fail. killed it. Yeah. But thankfully. <laughs> thankfully I don't know why I'm saying thankfully. I guess thankfully in a way, the allegations came to light. Right. Or what I guess and like what he was doing came to light. And I think uh, Gunther is a major uh, beneficiary of Triple H's takeover. Vince going away. Yeah, because I think Vince probably would have killed Gunther if he had the chance. But now here he is with the longest IC title run and a great one at that. So I think that's really cool because he deserves it. And I think the best way to do Gunther is to do long title reigns. I think that's always uh, been a strong because suit of his. Because he's so believable as being dominant. Yeah, right? it works perfectly. Yeah. Um. So I think that's great. And also just, no offense to him, but Honky Tonk Man is the longest reigning anything is a joke. It's polar opposites on the in-ring scale. Like, it's kind of funny. Yeah, just like... Honky got a lot out of being just a personality, right? He yeah. was not... He was serviceable in-ring, maybe. 
Yeah, it's just crazy that he's like. But Gunther's one, a general. One of the, I guess prestigious is the word, but like one of the most like I guess it's like a fan favorite title. Oh yeah. Pound title, like one of the most popular titles. It's my favorite in existence. The longest reigning champion was Honky Tonk Man. Like that's kind of crazy. Yeah, especially when it's like the workers' title, too, right? Which for most of it. So I think which Gunther, Honky's it's, not. It's great. Um, yep. I'm I'm super happy about that. Uh, it sucks Gable hasn't didn't win it because I would love for him to get something like that. Yes. But um, you can always do circle that back around or yeah. something. I mean, sure. Would it be their fourth match? Yeah, but only the third title match. Right. So. Um, the last thing I had is that LA Knight is expected to receive a mega push from WWE. Oh, good. After Money in the Bank. Um, either finalizing or has already signed a new long-term contract. I did see that, yeah. And that um, he's gotten back-to-back victories at pay-per-views, right? And that apparently ratings for his segments are oh, good. Are we counting the Battle Royal as one of them? I guess. And merchandise sales, obviously, are pretty good. So that's yeah. two things they care about. So good for him. We like him. He's kind of yeah. had to force his way through there, right? Which is weird because, again, he's like such their kind of guy even in the triple h regime i think he's such a wwe guy and we'll get it's to crazy that. that he's had to like this that there's been this much of a struggle we'll get to it in our very very in-depth payback review that's coming the match he had there was something subpar very very wwe shall we say <laughs> yeah. um okay so that wraps that up so the first thing i guess we need to do is go back a week now and try and remember what we liked and didn't like on aew's pay-per-view all out Okay, going back to All Out, i got to consult my notes because without them, I don't know what how much I remember, but and that's not to say I didn't like it either. It's just, it's been I a while. two things. Consumed a Three lot of things. wrestling since then. So what was first, All Out or Payback? Payback. Okay, well, let's talk Payback then. First, Wait. was yes. it? Yes. So we, full disclosure, we watched the opening women's cage match, which I thought was really good and over-delivered. That was good. I thought it was good. Um, Meltzer gave it four stars. No. I'd give it three and a half or three and three quarters. I thought it really looked good. Um, and then we watched the LA Knight Miz match, which was... Two and a half. That's what I, I said. Well, Meltzer gave it two and a quarter. I don't disagree. Don't just disagree. the most paint-by-numbers WWE just match... Like the simulations. ...of all time, right? And it yeah. was just... And I did see some other reviews, and that seems to be not just us that felt that way. That was pretty much widely considered mm-hmm. a very basic match. And then we didn't watch anything else, right? Yeah. Um, I would like to check out the tag time match just because I saw the result, and I think that's cool. I also heard it was really good. Yeah, I heard them. It looks good because it was a street fight, which I didn't know. And then also, I, would, I wouldn't mind checking Rollins and Nakamura. Yeah, I don't think we missed much else other than that. So that's all we watched of that. But now we can talk all out for real. So... The opening match is for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships, right? You got MJF and Adam Cole defending against Dark Orders. John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Evil Uno is with them. You've got MJF and Cole coming out in their Better Than Bay Bay, Better Than You Bay Bay shirts, but also with 23 on them, right? Yeah, they got like Chicago. Because they're in Chicago. Variants. Yep. And so Cole and Silver start out with a quick exchange of takedowns as the crowd is already into a double clothesline chant. MJF takes a shot to the neck and went crowd out. Crowd is pretty good in light of recent events. Oh, for sure. That Chicago crowds you can pretty much count on. Say what you will. They're they're solid. So he gets uh, a shot to the neck. He leaves the ring to take sort of a get a break. Cole goes and checks on him. Silver takes advantage. The ref is distracted. Reynolds hits MJF with a chair. 
This then leads to Cole being all alone against both Dark Order opponents. And he's on defense most of the time here, as you would expect. But eventually, MJF comes back to continue the match. Silver falls down, headbutts um, oh, uh, Reynolds low by mistake. And then Uno's distractions cut off with a super kick. And then we do get the double clothesline to a good reaction from the crowd. And the champs retain after 14 minutes. Uh, I thought it was a good tag team match. I liked it more than the Aussie Open one because it felt more... Like competitive. A, felt more competitive than, like, as such, more of a real match. And that kind of annoyed me because... Aussie Open are better. Not that I don't like Dark Order. Aussie yeah, Open but are better. Aussie Open are better. And why were they made to look like they could barely get a move in? Yeah. That bothered me. So I did think it was a good tag match. Yeah, um, that's pretty good. I did like seeing Dark Order get some time to shine, though. Yes, they, they had really some crisp-looking like stuff, them. I they thought. They hit their signature combo, which I like. Um, and yeah, they, it was pretty good. I liked, It was interesting seeing them in this new kind of heelish manner that they've been in since the Hangman little yeah, story. I don't mind um, it. So I thought that was pretty cool. And I thought the story with MJ's neck and like the return thing was pretty standard, but not a bad way. Like, it, it was good. Meltzer gave it three and a quarter stars. I don't disagree. I think that's fair because it's yeah, like I, think... I feel like three is like the threshold between like not great and good. Yeah. So I think just over that is I think that's pretty fair. Yeah. So I because I will disagree with a couple of his ratings slightly later, okay. but not that one. Okay. Then we get a match I was looking forward to that I thought kind of under delivered. Just time was not given, and that was Samoa Joe Shane. I Taylor. thought it uh, over delivered a little for me just because oh, wow. I didn't expect a ton from this. I guess for the ROH uh, TV title, this was so. MJF is kind of getting helped out of the ring still after really the last like match. Samoa Joe is entering for his match, and Joe like kind of shoulders him on the way by, which is a callback. And to then NXT, M right? And then MJF charges in, and a brawl starts. And then Cole, instead of helping, calls out security, and security finally get in to break everything up. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, is Cole letting him get beaten up here, sort of thing? Like, what's still what's going to happen? Kind of, I guess. But, uh, anyways. This match is a bit of a slugfest, but it only gets just over I six, thought it, like, six minutes. Really? It thought yeah. it felt a little longer. No. I thought it was kind of cool. There's a lot of like the, um, what I would describe as worked shoot punches. Yes. Like a lot of Shane Taylor's real great ones. At striking. Uh, yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it did have a kind of a slower pace to it, but I did like all the hard looking strikes. It did. It, and it's going to have a slower pace with Shane Taylor to some degree. Um, so yeah, you had power slam for two um, more strikes. Taylor I will on the say floor. This, though, he did the, the the like standing splash at one point. Taylor and it looked it reminded me of Tyrus, not in a positive way. Obviously, <laughs> Joe hit the suicide dive elbow that always I looks nice. That. I love the way he does that because a it's a marvel he can still do that or has ever been able to do that. Right. In, in his size, especially now, and then also I like how like and Excalibur always calls it rightfully so an elbow suicide. I like how he does it with the forearm because that makes sense to me. And like, and it, it almost helps it like, have like an impact when he hits them. I you agree. Know? And I almost feel like it's safer for him. I don't know why, but I feel like it's more, I could see what you repeatable. mean. I don't really know how to explain that, but I kind of see what you could mean there. And yeah, I don't know. Cause I feel like with suicide, I was like, unless you're going really fast, like Escobar, it's yes. like, you're just kind of like pushing them, but like coming from the, I don't know with the, forearm or elbow whatever we want to call it i feel like it makes more sense that it's impactful i do to me. too even I though like it looks kind of drills snug, it. but yeah it looks good oh uh, we get a hanging stunner gets a two count on that was kind of cool Joe. actually i thought that was nice because he was. had him like in the he's trying to get the coquina over the ropes i think it mm -hmm. was right so then i thought that was kind of cool actually middle rope splash gets another two count forearm exchange again until joe's joe pulls him in for the coquina clutch and he ends up retaining at six minutes 23 seconds 
Meltzer gave it two and three quarter stars. I could go three, probably. I'd go like three and a quarter, maybe. Nice. I'd, I'd probably put it on par with the opener. So it was re- pretty quick. Not the match I was hoping for, but these guys hit really hard. I kind of liked it. It was a nice little slugfest. And it I honestly was. didn't really expect much because I honestly didn't care about it. But And people um, got I thought to it see a good. bit of Taylor, right? Like, it wasn't yeah. an epic performance. I think it was a nice taste of Taylor. I think so. Uh, yes, their strikes... His strikes in particular are awesome, yeah. and the crowd gets into it. And and they did. The crowd was pretty good all night in this. Too short to be too great, but I thought it was fun while it lasted. Yep. Then uh, I thought things picked up here a little bit. We had the TNT title. It's Luchasaurus taken on Darby Allen. I like this, even though now I'm struggling to remember it. Uh, so that's why I'm glad I take notes sometimes, right? Because same thing. I'll be like, and then go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I feel like I liked it, which is weird. Darby charges right away after, uh, sorry, they fight to the floor. Luchasaurus sends uh, Darby into the steps. Cage demands more violence, so Luchasaurus puts the steps on Alan's back. Oh, I like that. And steps on them, right? Um, and then he swings Alan into the steel steps, which always looks good. Spinning slide slam for a two count, then a headbutt by Luchasaurus. Darby gets a quick shot, but a springboard crossbody. It just bounces off a of Luchasaurus, right? Like he's just jumping into a wall. Then Alan, who'd been wearing rib tapes for this, uh, that gets pulled off. They go outside Luchasaurus. I wish Luchasaurus had done the thing that Brock did to Rollins at SummerSlam. Uh, when he like picked him up by the rib tape and like, oh yeah, that was spun sweet. him around. Ragdoll. Luchasaurus totally could have done that, especially with how small Darby is. Yeah, he totally could have done that. Luchasaurus ends up getting posted on the outside, and then he's put in a chair for a top rope flip dive from Darby that hits him in the chair. Oh yeah, no, I remember that now. So we get back in the ring a little bit later. I thought it was a really nice counter into a crucifix bomb uh, by Darby for a two yeah. count. And then he fights back again, dives onto Cage on the outside, followed by a super code red, which looked pretty awesome to Luchasaurus for two. Coffin nice. drop is ready to go, but Cage hits Nick Wayne with a chair and threatens a concerto on the floor, right? So Darby's a little distracted because his buddy's about to get his head smashed in by some chairs. No, no, that's Nick Wayne, not buddy. And that's a that's true. <laughs> that's enough of a distraction, obviously, for Luchasaurus to hit a pair of tombstones and a clothesline to the back of the head. I was hoping to he retain. was going to do, like, you know how he does on, like, in the teams and he'll, like, flip him out into the face. But yeah. I was hoping he would do that. So this one was 12 minutes. Uh, I enjoyed this. Like, I thought it, it was a really nice wasn't uh, super David long Goliath kind of thing. Yeah, it was. Uh, exactly. Or David versus Dinosaur. You got the big man and the resilient, undersized baby face. It almost always works, and it did here. I liked the finish like using christian as well because yeah. he's just pure evil right now i like luchasaurus i wish luchasaurus was still a bit more of the dynamic big man that he was i do understand changing the style to fit more of the heel thing but mm-hmm. i wish he was still like kind of more dynamic like he, he used to be yeah yeah you because know? they are now like christian's now going like the most talented big man so i think that's a way to introduce that stuff again yeah at least in some capacity you know i think it could still work in a heel capacity you just kind of got to work it different and the finish i think somewhat protects darby because obviously it was a distraction whatever even though then and on dynamite decided to kill nick wayne anyways right and i think the decision is to have luchasaurus retain because because christian is like doing really good work right now and needs that his tnt champion thing is really amusing and darby doesn't need it i honestly don't think luchasaurus has held the title once despite being the actual factual champion i don't think he's held the belt once right Meltzer gave it a three and three quarters. I don't disagree. I'd go right three and a half. Probably. I would probably go three and a half. I feel like that's more apropos. Yep. Uh, Then we get another just sort of slugfest, right? A Hoss fight. It's Hobbs and Miro in this one. 
There it so, is. So there was the lightsaber. I don't like this one. Uh, there was a bit of disconnect for me because I really did not care about the build. Like just oh, the I, build wasn't good. I really me. enjoyed the match itself. I thought the match was pretty solid, but I honestly half paid attention because the just the build there was nothing there for me, especially with Hobbs being involved with uh, QTV so much. Mm-hmm. I just I had no best interest whatsoever. Miro's That's fair. Miro to me hasn't been anything since he lost the TNT title. I thought like his feud at the House of Black was kind of lame. Yeah. Um, and ever since he's come back now, he just really hasn't done anything. No, the build wasn't great for a few and matches. The on appearance this show. of a certain female did not that doesn't entice me. me either. That doesn't bother me. She's horrible. Anyways, these two brawl right away. Hobbs gets the early advantage. Running clothesline drops Miro, but he knocks Hobbs to the apron. Back in the ring, drop kick puts Hobbs down again, but he pops up for an overhead belly to belly. Hobbs misses a splash in the corner, running flip dive off the apron, sort of like a somersault dive from Miro. Back inside, Hobbs drops him again, and then we get a chin lock. Miro fights back, hits some running knees before firing up even more. Bunch of clothesline takes Hobbs down, but he blocks a suplex, goes up top. Uh, broken up as well, we get a Machka kick, only to have um, Hobbs plant Miro with a slam for two. Uh, some more strikes until Miro blocks Hobbs and hits a running clothesline. Game over is applied, but Hobbs manages to break free and hit a spine buster for two. Hobbs loads up, getting ready to apply his own game over to Miro. Miro fights out, puts him down, grabs the real game over, applies it, and there's no escape this time. And Miro ends up winning 15 minutes, 15 seconds. Post-match, Hobbs turns down a handshake and jumps Miro. And here is CJ Perry, FKA Lana, Miro, Miro's real shoot wife, I guess. <laughs> shoot wife. Um to she has a chair or sorry to chase Hobbs to the back sort of thing distraction lets Miro make the save but he walks away from Perry and he's like this isn't real so he's still not expecting his wife to be there and he's not happy what, that his wife is I there I don't know what's up with Miro these days I think it's because he's forsaken everything right because nothing was working for him because I think he even force is forsaking his hot flexible wife or whatever he, how it do is you forsake your wife so I don't know but I think that's what they're going with right like I didn't want you to be here blah 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 so I don't know. It felt like a longer version of Taylor Joe a little bit, but I like this one. I, I thought, thought it was the my favorite part was the crowd just chanting meat. There was a lot of meat chants. I thought that was very really funny. different ways to use meat. Yes, <laughs> that was that was funny. I thought Hobbs looked really good. I think he could be a big time heel still. Crowd was really into this. I don't know. This I feel like with the, the meat, they chance. might have missed the, their chance with Hobbs. I think they could have given a, an actually meaningful TNT title run, but. I think they could rebuild him. I just think they kind of missed their chance. Like, the Book of Hobbs stuff was fine. And then they just dropped it and put him in. They just killed him, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying he's, like, unfixable. I'm just saying I feel like they kind of missed their mark here. And it's going to be difficult for them to kind of bring him back. And I don't know if they're really going to try. So, I like this match quite a bit. But I agree that Miro and Hobbs, there's not a lot behind either of them at yeah. this point, right? I so, that would really, helped. I think... I thought the match itself was pretty solid, but I think it really suffered from just a lack of interest for me and just really any stakes whatsoever. So I think I liked it more than you, and I can tell you Meltzer liked it more than me. Meltzer what? gave it four and a quarter. That's rich. I, I would be willing to that's go rich. three and three quarters. I'd go three and a half. I think it's, I think it's on par I with the it last one. slightly match. better than the last one, which I think I did. I think it's on par with the last Fair. one, at, at the very least. I think four stars at all is rich. Then I think we get... 
probably the low point of this show, which unfortunately is the TBS title. And I don't yeah. even think this was bad either. I don't think it was bad. It's just like, I think I did not care still. Statlander defending against Ruby Soho. Again, she doesn't have a gimmick. I'm going to keep complaining about this. You say that like, every time. And I feel like more people should be saying that. I mean, people are saying this and I don't know, but like... She doesn't have a gimmick, and, and I, I mean think that's a huge issue a lot for of, one of their major champions. A lot of people don't, but that's the point. Is she's a champion, and you're right. I, I feel like she's a major. Other than person, not an alien anymore. That's like saying, that's like defending her thing by saying Sky Blue doesn't have a gimmick. Yeah. Who cares? It's Sky Blue. Yes. I think Statlander needs a gimmick, and especially when she had one before too. And I'm I'm not saying the alien is the greatest, greatest thing ever, and I've said this already, but neither is Luchasaurus, and he's making that work. I he feel is. like. Now, I feel like the alien thing is kind of on par with Luchasaurus. It's something kind of ridiculous, but yeah. with fan backing, it could work. Luchasaurus worked with him in Jungle Boy, and I think the alien thing could have worked. It's just It wasn't really working, or they didn't try with it, or whatever it was. They gave up on it, and now she has nothing. And I she really doesn't. think, she, honestly, if she went back with that, I would give it a chance. And it's too bad. She's good in ring. I, enjoy I do like her, her in the ring, yeah. If she went back on the alien thing, or like something like that, I would give it a chance, But because she needs something. The more than a woman thing is like it's just vague you yeah. know like it doesn't that's not a gimmick that feels like Give more of a tony t- storm's gimmick that feels like <laughs> <laughs> that feels more like a, a tagline for china less than like not really a gimmick you know right so anyways like that's my that's the main issue with sadly i feel like it's, it doesn't like hugely affect the match but it doesn't help you know what i mean no you, it doesn't you need help. a stronger champion than that and See, we want about Jade getting stale, but she's still had a gimmick. And they spent zero time teaching us anything about stuff. No, because Jade always had a gimmick at the very least, even though, let's it, be honest, it never promos, evolved and it, it was the it, same. It was a gimmick, though. Correct. It was a character at the very least. Yep. So Soho gets run over with a shoulder tackle to and, start. And Soho has a bad character, I forgot to mention. And But she has a character. <laughs> she has right. one, though. That's what I'm saying. You got to have one. That's enough to take things outside where Soho sends Statlander face first into the barricade. Soraya with a cheap shot. Uh, get Soho a two count. I didn't. I really didn't like Soraya's outfit. I thought her pants looked dumb with the title on her. Anyways, I don't remember. I, I just don't like her with the title in general. But I think that's for the, sure. I think the pants don't help. Statlander hits a clothesline, but ends up taking some more kicks. Strike exchange for a double knockdown before Statlander gains an advantage. Unloads in the corner, running knee rock Soho, but she hits a belly to back suplex. Statlander can't get uh, what is it Sunday night fever. So Wednesday night. Soho rolls her up for two instead. Because I think it's because she's on Dynamite and TBS is on Dynamite. That's that's my theory behind the name there. Makes sense. I have no theory. Soho counters a <laughs> Hurricane Rana into a DDT, followed by a basement y- y- Rana for two. I'm going to sneeze. <coughs> Sorry. That we, I appreciate the warning. You know, that that might me. be like a headphone warning. Well, if I were good, because this new thing we have has a mute button, but that was not the direction I was moving. I could have muted it and it would yeah, have been we, mitigated. Yeah, figure but that out. What are you going to do? That would be interesting. Yes. Uh, sorry, Blue Thunderbomb gives Statlander another two count, but Soho pulls her off the ropes into a no future. Destination unknown for a near fall, and it's spray paint time. But Tony Storm uh, comes there to sort of take the spray paint away, doing her new film noir character, I, I guess. I don't understand it still, but we'll talk about that yeah, later. We will. We'll, we'll get there. That allows Statlander to hit the Wednesday Night Fever to retain... It's like a one-leg hook tombstone, basically. Yeah. Uh, she retains after... Just over 12 minutes. Um, I thought this was, like, serviceable. Pretty, I thought it was pretty good, and one of Soho's yeah. better performances, yeah. maybe. I feel like she's had some lackluster ones lately, so I think having a good one like this is, helps Soho. And Statlander is, in that division especially, a unique speed and power combination. 
yeah, she just lacks a character, you know. And I, but I do like her in the ring, and I think yep. she's always been good. But um, it's just the character thing is lacking, obviously. But I think uh, she, they still worked really well together in this match. Um, I think the finish is fine. It's just it furthers it doesn't, the stuff with Outcast, right? It doesn't so, help that I don't care about that, right? But hopefully, it's like the disintegration of that group, yeah. maybe. But I think this, I would, I've, I feel like putting this at three and a half again. I was, I go three and a quarter. I was, I, I and actually, Meltzer? I'll go three and a quarter. Yeah, I don't. I think I like the TNT one better than this. I was almost thinking about putting it better, but then I was like, I don't like it more than Meltzer this. two and a half. That's harsh. I thought I think, so too. I think that's harsh. Then we go to Brian Danielson taking on Ricky Starks yeah. in a strap match, which I'm um, on the record as not liking strap matches, but I think there's exceptions to every rule. I oh okay. I'm just trying to think. What do you think is the best between a strap match, a dog collar match, and a bull rope match? I think bull rope is the worst one. I think dog collar is my least favorite. I I think, think that, I disagree because I think the dog the dog collar ones can get decently brutal and they look really cool, like Cody and Brody or MJF and Punk. But I think that. by that same token, it limits them a bit. I don't because it's I around your neck. I yeah, but I think they're all limiting. I, I think know. the bull rope is limiting. Like I I have it here, but like EC three and Tyrus just had one, and I think bull rope's lame because you're not gonna hit them with a big rope and the cowbell. I think it's the lamest. I think it's the worst one all around, and then I think dog collars kind of been. I think strap matches are the best one because it's simple. It's at the wrist, and it's just a strap, and like here you can just like whip them with it. You can still choke them with it. Right. I would say strap match is the best of the tying of the someone best. to someone else matches if we were to make a comprehensive list of i think those are the only three i don't i know there's like variations like a russian chain match or simone but those are the same thing yes like, basically um but um dan and brian why why brian danielson uh he came out to uh final <laughs> countdown again he did which i was a little disappointed because i was hoping we would be the only people to get that live yeah uh, and that was really cool because that was unexpected. But I guess it was cool to see it again. Steamboat is on commentary. I don't really remember him contributing. No, much, he, he didn't. To be he didn't. Um, I would honestly rather that than Booker T, though. Uh, yeah. Say what you want. I thought Stark's entrance really nice, though. Um, he's got a really nice presentation to he him. He does. Um, Heel Stark's is so much better. It's it is better. Uh, and I was thinking that I so think it better. was in one of his promos. It might have been the one from this week. Uh, he's so much better than that. And I really enjoy his theme. I actually do listen to it sometimes, and I think it's um a really great fit for him mm-hmm. uh just yeah, what, what, something about it it's just it fits him really well and it does. so yeah i'm we'll say even though he, we don't watch it all the time it's nice that collision at least allows him some spotlight although yep. i'd like to see more on dynamite for sure so heel starks lets danielson get strapped in first right and then starks Classic attacks tactic. him right uh danielson's bleeding very early in this lots of because he's from blackpool he's with moxley too much throughout this lots of whipping with the straps oh my God. and many times like right to in the, the neck face or face or, like it was honestly like some audible Brutal. reactions sometimes because like it's i don't know how you do that like that's just straight up whipping another or getting whipped in the face yeah no matter what material that actually is i'm sure it has to sting at the very least the sound is so nice too yeah very nice i mean like bad so the whipping continues around the ring but danielson is back with a headbutt starks backdrops danielson onto the apron lays in more strap shots back in the ring starks gets crotched on the top and just now it's his turn to get whipped and steamboat's kind of pleased with this on commentary obviously three drop kicks to starks in the tree of woe um, but then starks gets in some more whipping of his own 
Um, at one point, Stark spends a bit too long yelling at Steamboat, and Danielson pulls him back into the ring for more whipping, and now Stark's is bloody, uh, and back he's what the one whipping now. It sounds like it's just a bunch of guys whipping each other, and that was a lot of it, but there <laughs> is was. more going on. There's more going on, yeah. It just fires up Danielson. He starts yelling at Stark's. Yes, kicks land really hard. And then this is yeah, where he's Big like Bill shows him up. And kicking him hard. Yeah, because he was getting managed by Starks back when he was suspended for a bit. Right. Uh, Steamboat then gets up and pulls Big Bill off the apron, I think it was, and chops him, but then gets shoved down. I'm telling you, old retired wrestlers are the biggest threat to large men. That they are large able bodied men. Like just, Brian Cage fears Sting right. eternally. Most of them do. Most of these guys in their prime of life yeah, fear Sting. I'm pretty sure Hobbs. Hobbs probably got either. He got a. He oh no he got he definitely got chunked by Sting in the Team Taz days yeah. so there's that and then I'm almost positive he probably got spine busted by Arn Anderson in the Wardlow feud I'm almost positive could I be can almost guaranteed I so, I believe you uh, Danielson dives onto both heels only to have Starks hit a spear for a two count running knee drop like uh, this did we get a, we didn't get a Rochambeau I don't think no he attempted it a couple I times. really like the Rochambeau it's, it's cool. Nice. The um, Busaiko knee, I think. Oh, no, is it running knee drop? Um, Danielson kicks him into the LaBelle lock, strap around Stark's neck. Stark passes out, right? That, that was an epic video. Does not looked good. He looked that really awesome. believable passing out. I really like that. Just about nice 16, feather in his cap, too. It didn't tap. Right. 16 obviously. and a half minutes, which is rare. And for the heel, it's a little different, right? So it's kind of yeah, interesting. But still, I think it's a nice kind of tough guy thing i thought this match was awesome and i, I really don't love draft matches at this point to the show in the show it was my favorite match right at and this we've point yes liked everything and i thought this was excellent um, yeah i thought this was really good the brutality was um really nice on display here i'm like just the repeat whipping was insane just especially to like the facial area yes. or anywhere around that. that's up high really a crazy lot. yeah and just the sound of it was really nice but i thought there was like some good wrestling in there too they the strap they didn't let the strap limit them too much right i feel like the strap was like an added thing in the match and not right. uh restriction like it can be sometimes and i'm gonna give danielson a lot of credit for this and i i'm sure starks deserves some too but despite this just being made and being kind of randomly made right it felt somehow intense and like felt way more important than the right. Joe Taylor or Hobbs Miro or the TBS And there was match. virtually no build to this. It was Ricky Literally going, one day. I've got another dragon and it's this yeah. guy who you didn't don't even think's ready to come back. Yeah, but, but I thought somehow it was really good. I think I'm going to say Danielson's storytelling whatever it is, maybe yeah. both of them, but probably more him. Yeah. It's just like you believe it, right? Yeah. And I thought yeah, the stakes or not the stakes, but like the drama in this match was um, I think it was because of the brutality of it, and I think it worked really well. I thought these guys worked really Starks well together. Stark stepped up his game. Stark sure. was on another level here compared to how he was before, and I think this helps elevate him a little more. And this is one of those matches that I think he can look back on as like a major moment for him. Meltzer, um, and I think that was great. Meltzer gave it five stars. I'm not I, quite I'd, that high. I'd give it. I could go four and a half. No, I go four and a half. Yeah. Yep. I think I, I really don't give it a lot of five stars because I just like where do you go from there? I think you, right? well, then you, you obviously the answer is you go above five stars, which I don't want to do because then that's that's not I'll, your system. I'll do it because Omega Osprey. Uh, so then we get tag team match: Eddie Kingston, Shibata, Claudio, and Wheeler Yuta. This one was another one kind of like that just felt random to me. Yeah, I, I Other agree. than Kingston and Claudio, I f do feel like there's like something there, but there is now. the addition of Shibata is weird. I agree. 
Uh, Shavada takes Yuta down to start, goes after his arm, sending Yuta over the rope. Claudio comes in to lock up with Shibata before Kingston comes in. Things go outside. Yuta hits a suicide dive. Claudio um, sends Kingston into the barricade. Back in the ring, Yuta has both of Kingston's arms. Kingston, Kingston fights back and hits an STO. Shibata comes in with strikes in the corner, but he gets dropped by Claudio. Fastball special, which is basically a rocket launcher, I believe. Yeah, it's like Claudio just kind of helps chuck him into a diving right. splash. Gives Yuta a two count, but Shibata strikes his way out of trouble. We get a death lock to Yuta and an ankle lock to Cassignoli at the same time that has to be broken up. Everything breaks down at one point here. Shibata kicks Yuta into a Saito suplex to give Kingston a two count. I thought it was kind of cool. Kingston and Claudio strike it out until the neutralizer gives Claudio a near fall. Ricola bombs escape. Kingston hits his spinning back fist. And Northern Lights bomb gets two. Shibata chokes Yuta out. Claudio hits an uppercut to finish Eddie Kingston just yeah, at about... just smashed him with an uppercut. Did. At about 15 and a half minutes. And I don't know what it was, but I struggled to get into this one for yeah. some reason. And I like everybody in this match. I feel match. like it's the randomness. I do like everyone too. And especially having recently enjoyed Shibata. Um, but He's I agree. Great. Just like I feel like this just kind of felt thrown together despite like there being some storyline reason for this. Agree. And it just felt kind of cobbled a little. And it's weird because Danielson, we just said, had no build and it felt like there was. And this one kind of felt. This one just like I feel like if it had kicked into, the higher, in a, into a higher gear, maybe we'd be speaking differently. But I feel like it didn't quite hit that level. The for me. finish kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. It was kind of lacking something to like elevate it a little but more. i guess it furthers like claudio's dominance over eddie sort of thing and yeah i'm fine with it from that perspective yeah and i maybe there's a bit of blackpool fatigue setting in i'm not sure or just not enough of seeing shibata to have this feel meaningful as part of it i, I think feel too. like blackpool work when they're all on one target and i feel like they're a little scattered right mm -hmm. now i feel like i because i really love their thing with the elite because elite storylines when they're at the forefront are amazing uh say what you want about them but there's the storylines were there at the main Focal, they're the main focal point. Those are amazing, but I feel like also because it was like Blackpool were just like bullies left and right, mm -hmm. and they were all targeting what they were outnumbering them and ambushing people backstage. I thought that was awesome. I think heel bully Blackpool is still a great thing, and I think it's something they can use to great effect. I think it's just now, right now, it's just a little disorganized. Like Mox is doing international title things. Right. Claudio and Yuda are on Eddie, but then Danielson is, a is baby kind face. of baby face yeah. now, but then he came out yeah. after the main event. So like, I they're not know. unified right now. Yeah. Which I want them to be. And I feel, I hope Danielson turns back because I feel like we were robbed of a great summer heel Danielson run. Mm -hmm. uh, with the, I agree. Injury. I wanted that. Yeah. I, I think they should still do that. So Meltzer, man, we don't agree with him on a few things. He gave this four and a quarter. No, I would go. I'm a full star below, man. If you said three to me, I like I'll I'll go three and a quarter. I'll go three and a quarter. Maybe yeah. it's me, but it, it under delivered. Agree for sure. Um, did not under deliver. Kenny Omega, the, my most anticipated match. Konosuke Takeshita, our boy. Early on, to and I have caps lock in the middle of this. Takeshita drops Omega on his head. With a belly-to-back suplex. Oh, yeah. Like, he had, like, a side of suplex, and he dropped him high. Like, really high. Omega should have the worst concussion and or neck issues of any human being yeah. on the planet. Neck of with, granite. Because, like, yeah, he's got the anti-mirror neck. Because like, he took this high-ass uh, back suplex. And then he's also taken, like, insanely high cutters from Phoenix mm -hmm. in that 
in the series. And then what did Mia mention before? And the Tiger Driver 91 from Forbidden Door, like... And I'm sure Germ Suplexes too. Like he takes some absurdly high bumps without any injury, at least that we know of. So it's pretty insane. I also really enjoyed Kenny's gear, a nod to his pre Bullet Club days mm-hmm. in the green, and I I really liked that. I thought it looked it looked a lot nicer. It came across really nice on the long tights. Now that he's moved away from the trunks. Yep. Omega recovers, hits a regal roll. I imagine that was. I don't know what that is. Me either. I imagine <laughs> that's this Excalibur telling me. And to a moonsault off the barricade. Oh the. The fireman's carry the rolling senton, you know, like oh yeah, like, yeah, you can't escape. Yes. And he just, it was that okay. No, I got it. Thank you. That's on cool. the floor. Awesome looking brainbuster from Trakesha. Oh, that thud was nasty. So Callus piles some chairs on top of Omega's face, right on the floor there, and Takeshita does like a slingshot dive onto the chairs onto that Omega, that's which was cool. cool. And then, because what was it trained by? El Generico, so he hits a Haluva kick and a Blue Thunder Bomb for a near fall as well. Um, I think that's what it was. There was some connection with the, with Takeshita and uh, El Generico. I think that's what yeah. they said. I forget. They Anyways. did mention it. Omega fights back with axe handles to the chest. Mist running knee sends Takeshita outside. Dive onto Takeshita on the floor, followed by a missile drop kick to the back of his head. Snapdragons, Poison Rana give Omega a two count, but Takeshita hits that uh, a stiff lariat. For two of his own, Takeshita. Did we mention the Takeshita line? Not yet. Or counters already. He counters something into a kneeling tombstone for two more strikes. A super one-winged angel attempted but blocked. Takeshita hits a super blue thunderbomb. That was awesome for a very nice near fall. Omega hits a V trigger, but Takeshita finds the screwdriver that Callus had tried to stab Omega with right and, and like missed it. Was stuck in the apron. Stuck in the apron. So the screwdriver is taken away by the ref. Takeshita hits a running knee for two, then just an, drive. another vicious um, knee, and he pins Kenny Omega somewhat cleanly. I think there's the third Clean-ish. one with the exposed. I would say it's virtually clean win. 22 and a half minutes. My notes didn't do this justice because I, I kind of awesome. I got I captivated it. and caught up in this. It was fantastic. I think um, one thing I think best match on the show lost over was the t- that Takeshita line they call it, yes. the jumping clothesline. It it's a mind trip every time. I love like he gets. Because you're like, oh, he's it. not gonna get there every time. He gets great he speed on, it, and then he like once he's hit the ropes a couple times, he like jumps basically from the like ropes to the middle of the, of the ring, ring yeah. yeah, to hit the jump. It's crazy how he does that. I love it so much. But that and he hits some gnarly forearms. That back suplex was crazy. The brain buster on the outside was nuts. The avalanche was under bomb, and you just kept drilling Omega at the end until he stayed down, which I thought was really cool. But I'm super happy for him. Uh, Me too. We didn't, I this didn't pick delivered, it. man. I didn't pick it, uh, but I'm super happy for Takeshita getting like a virtually clean win. Was there attempted cheating? Sure, but did he actually cheat? No. So I'll count it as a clean win for Takeshita. I'm super happy for him. I thought this was great. I loved it uh, very much. Me too. Great um, match of the night. It was definitely my match of the night. Yeah, it delivered, uh, and... Um, I don't. I just really liked it. It delivered on what I wanted it to be, and I did like. I didn't think he would win, but I'm, I did want to catch it to win, so I'm really it's happy an awesome he did. Win for him. Um, that's a great win for him, and I believe his first pay per view singles match, and that is a nice win. That is, I 
just the style of both of them, I love it. It right? works super well. It's S definitely what I like to see. Steady pace, brutal knees, and like I didn't mention any of the elbows or forearms or whatever, but Takeshita's are crazy. He, stiff he hit looking. some crazy ones, yeah. And then other cool looking offensive stuff from each of them, right? So a mm -hmm. huge win for Takeshita. The push of Takeshita is definitely on the rise because I don't think he had any pay per view appearances last year, but this year he had like his first one was I think I think his first pay per view match was the. Forbindora, which we were there, yeah. which was a great uh, multi-man match, and then he had the his first pay-per-view win, which was an all-in, which which is pretty crazy, and then this, which was awesome. He just keeps passing every test they put in front of him, right? Yeah, and that's I think what we he's, were hoping for. I think he's succeeding in every metric so far, um, and I really hope this means some good things for him because he's definitely someone they could build in the future. I think he could be like a future kind of pillar. For them, like he, especially with Callus, uh, putting him with Callus him is very is smart. Great, yeah. Um, I hope their whatever their next feud is, if they're if it's not continuing with Kenny, um, I hope it is something great because I really hope they just keep going like uh from strength to strength with him because this was really good. Meltzer like gave it. it five stars. I would go four and three quarters. Four and three quarters. I'm really close to a five star. I, Same. I'm tempted, but it was um, excellent. I'll see you off. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, it made my short list. I would, my might nominate it. Did for, you add it to the list already? I did. It did. It does make my short list or not so short list, depending on what you want to call it. Awesome. Next, we get an eight-man tag match. Right? It is Bullet about Club that. Gold, FTR Young Bucks. Bullet Club Gold's entrance was awesome. I've watched it like a couple yeah. times now. It's so good. I they borrowed from the new entrance that the guns have used. They have like the spine and do like the water. They spit the water with the finger guns, which mm -hmm. it looked really cool. JY did. And like, I love that they spin around and juice is just making like an insane. Cause juice is just a madman. He brings the energy that uh, boy. Yeah. But I thought their entrance was awesome. It made them look big time. My one complaint is I think they need a group theme. I just don't think JY team cuts it. I don't personally love it as a theme, but I think it works for JY. Mm -hmm. just the sound of it. It's like, I like the like, guns theme. It's, I do like the guns, yeah, but I would like to keep that for mm -hmm. them, obviously. But I feel like Jay Wise, it's got like this, like, cold, like, it fits his character very well, is what I'm trying to say. Um, but I feel like Bullock of Gold needs a group theme. And you could maybe, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd rip off the main Bullock of theme, but something with like that kind of guitar in there. Yeah. Um, something like that. Or like kind of like the Super Elite theme that they used for a little bit. That theme's really good. Something. Yeah. I don't know. They need, they need a group theme because I think Jay Wise's theme should be his own. Yeah. Uh, first few minutes of this, a lot of people hitting moves and tagging so that everybody kind of got in within the first Also, I think FTR's bit. logo on their trunks is Bray Wyatt. Is it was, inspired. it did look like that. It looked you, like his, you noticed his that. recent, his logo from his recent one was like that upside down moth kind of thing. It looked like that. Theme music and ring gear, two of your specialties yeah. discussed right here. Um, so Bullet Club isolate Dax in their oh, corner for a bit. Oh, me. The entrance stage was awesome. Yes. Um... Cash tags in, then White isolates Cash with a drop kick to the left knee. Standoff with all eight in the ring leading to a brawl. Quadruple atomic drop spot by the baby faces, and then all four of them apply sharpshooters at the same time. Yeah, that, I don't even remember that I happening. Don't, I do remember it's the sharpshooters. I don't, I don't mind stuff like that sometimes, but I don't love the tandem sauce when it's like this many people. That just feels like a little contrived. Yeah, I don't know. I don't mind like a mass brawl with everyone in there, but I don't like when it boils down to like this synchronized swimming mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Juice sends Dax into the ring post and Bullet Club take over. They work over Dax for a few minutes until Nick gets the tag and does his high octane. He stuff doesn't that do he the does. kick thing. He did not. Then Matt comes in so the Bucks can do a bit of double teaming. At one point, Cash is legal and Matt nearly super kicked him. 
but Colton moved and there were double super kicks while Cash hit a DDT. Nick with a face buster and a moonsault that he didn't really hit Juice, but Juice sold it anyways. Oh, yeah. He, like, moved to the behind him. Yeah. Oh, that's right. right yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right yeah. over him, basically. Uh, Dax and Matt hit a spike pile driver on Austin Gunn for two. All eight guys are in the ring. Dax hits a superplex on Austin, while Cash, Matt, and Nick all hit top rope splashes with Nick doing a 450. Some running strikes outside the ring. Matt hits a cross body block on Colton on the floor. Dax and Austin do a double clothesline. Both are down. Dax and White do a chop fest a little bit later. Juice stops the shatter machine attempt by FTR, but Nick went into the ring and did the shatter machine with Dax instead, right? So a combination yeah. that... like, And that was kind of the story here is is could they kind of work together, these two Can teams, they coexist? These two rivals, right? Uh, Matt and Dax then hit a BTE trigger on Jay White for two with Colton making the save. Colton hits a Famouser to Matt on the floor to take him out. Cash gets tagged in. Juice stops the Shatter Machine attempt again. Colton tags um, Jay White's back to become the legal man. Blind tag. Jay hit the Blade Runner on Cash, who was legal on that side, apparently. Colton ends up covering Cash, and the heels win here after 21 and a half minutes. Top shelf gunslingers. Uh, I thought it was a very good eight-man tag with like the like usual it. AEW chaos and let ref loses control. Yeah, they know how to work a good multi-man. And I like it was kind of the story of like like a cohesive unit of four taking on a team that's two teams, two teams who generally are rivals, not necessarily on the same page, right? Yeah. And that's enough to sort of yeah, I, get I them like through. that dynamic of it. And the mix mash tag finishers from the faces was a solid kind of thread to have in there. Um, and can they coexist is kind of a lame trope, but I think it, it works fine here. It can work. And I'm very happy with the Blow Club Gold win here. I think that's a and nice Colton getting the pin them. is kind of Colton, big for him, Colton's too. Good. That's good for him, too. I like that. Yeah. Um, but just in general, I'm happy for them getting a win because they are a nice, cohesive unit, and they deserve some spotlight here. And so I think between this and kind of getting that win at all-in with Takeshita, mm-hmm. I think they're going from strength to strength as well. Um, they're another act that I really enjoy, and I hope we can get something for them because... Jay White needs to kind of elevate because he's he's too good to be yes. kind of kept away. I Although agree. I do think Bloco Gold's a great thing for him. Like, and I'm really glad they did end up putting the guns in this group. Cause Me I too. Think, they fit well. I think the way th- all those characters act, I think it's a, it's a great combination. I think Juice and Switch were awesome together. And I think the guns perfectly complement them. Just and I love you have the main eventer, the mid card, and a tag team. Yeah, upper mid card if you want juice. Yeah, I think it works rude. perfectly. Um, but yeah, I'm really happy they got the win here. I think it's the right call because I don't think Bucks and FTR are really not in that need. dynamic. No, they don't need that win at all because no, they have they, a built-in like we're not a team. Win. Yeah, they didn't need that win at all. So I'm really happy that they had the right result here. I'd probably give it guaranteed. Meltzer's going higher than you and me. I was saying three and three quarters. That's what I was thinking too. I was between that and three and a half. I'll go three and three quarters. Meltzer said that. four and a half. No, that's no. I'm sorry. That's he feels generous on this, eh? Yeah. But then harsh know. to the women is basically what it's yeah, been. Yeah, uh, that's a lot of excessive for me. Even though I did like I it a lot. Me too. Uh, then we get the main event. It is the international championship match between John Moxley challenging Orange Cassidy with his amazing title reign. Well, um, probably. At least from like ones that I've genuinely experienced, obviously, like not talking about any retrospectives or what I, what happened before I was born. Yeah, probably one of my favorite Tyler Reigns of all time that yep. I've it's born, been fantastic. I've borne witness to. Probably up there with Eco Brian and Adam Cole's run in NXT. 
so Cassidy gets hit in the head right away to start. Drop kick um, from Cassidy sort of to turn the tide a little bit, but then Moxley suplexes him. Flipping stunners countered into an X-plex by Mox. Outside, Moxley posts Cassidy, and Cassidy bleeds before Mox. How about that? That is crazy. He bled a lot in this one, too. He did. Moxley sends him over the announcer's table and then bites Cassidy's head, probably on the wound, I would Just assume. To taste that blood, of course. Mox pile driver gets a two count. Cassidy with some DDTs, as he does, but the beach break ends up getting blocked. Cassidy hits a penalty kick uh, into an orange punch for two, but Moxley pulls him into a chokehold. After reversal, Moxley pulls Cassidy into kind of like a label lock. That gets broken up. They head outside. Moxley pulls back the mats to expose the concrete floor. Cassidy, of course, reverses things into a beach break on the concrete. They barely get back in to beat the count. Cassidy hits an orange punch and a spear for two. Cassidy goes with the lazy kicks, but they sort of, he gets intense and they turn into actual real kicks. But then he ends up getting absolutely flattened by a King Kong lariat. Cassidy then pops back up. So it's another King Kong lariat into the Death Rider for a very close two count. Then another Death Rider and it is over. Moxley's a new champion in just under 20 minutes. Um, thought it was an excellent main event. A yeah, good- I thought it was really good. Good end to Cassidy's run, but like you, even though Mox is one of your favorite, favorite wrestlers, you're kind of like... Mox is probably my favorite. Wish this period. could continue. I am just... I can't help but feel disappointed. A little bit, and right? I love Moxley, but and that's just the case. And I really like this match, but I can't help but it kind of feels like Cassidy successfully defends against every second and third tier talent along the way and then as soon as he's facing like a main event dude a pillar he loses so i don't it doesn't take away from his run at all but there is a little bit of that i guess right but i was still thinking great kind of i really love the match i feel like him losing kind of took away from the match a little for me just because yeah. i don't know i it, it it's really i keep saying it, it's just really weird because moxley's just genuinely been he's been my favorite since pretty much i started watching like, and i wasn't an orange cassidy i've always guy loved I, I i always kind of enjoyed orange cassidy but in like a serious capacity i never like loved him loved him but i've genuinely come to love this title run that he's had mm-hmm. i thought it's awesome it's produced some of my favorite tv matches of the year like that, that Fletcher one was always like one of those ra- it, that'll be one of those random matches I always remember like kind of like Tyler Russ's debut that's always one of those ones I'll just kind of be like oh yeah I remember that it was awesome or like he's he's had so many great ones a variety of opponents and the, I think the storyline of him competing every week and getting racking up injuries and everything yeah there's the forbidden door match that we saw like I don't know it's a really great run and I'm glad we did get to experience it at least I think that's It'll be something to look back on fondly, and I think it's definitely one of the highlights of the year. And I just thought there was a ceiling on the Orange Cassidy character, and he just smashed that. I think right? if like, um, he was like, "No, dude, I can be the biggest baby face in a huge company." Yeah. Basically, I think if the Jericho feud in 2020 was them like testing him yeah. at the top, I think this was them like successfully making him a star because I think this was his run was really awesome and just to, to the point where I didn't want my favorite guy to win. Like, yeah. Even if it was, if it was him or hangman or Adam, I probably would still want Cassidy to win. And right. I really did. Cause not only just cause I want this run to continue for as long as possible, but I was really hoping for it to elevate someone new. Like I love Moxley. He's mm-hmm. awesome. But that's kind of the point. He's a made man. He is. So I, I never thought he needed the title. He does not. Um, and I thought like, I don't know. Cassidy just really did a great job with that. He made him, he made the title as much as the title reign made him. I feel like yeah. cause he. I think he did a good job elevating that title because that title does feel like something now. It does. Um, because he 
just he elevated it and i think it also made him uber popular and weirdly it's weird to say that orange cassidy's even in the conversation for wrestler of the year but, but he is it brought him un- like honestly as the front runner at one point yeah which is crazy we're in september right and he had an amazing run here so yeah. very and happy i for remember him. we were both disappointed when he we watched him win the title yeah i honestly forget yeah. that we watched him win the title i That's remember right. us both being disappointed yeah um, and looking back, I think it turned out for the best because I don't Pax reign. He was gone for most of it, right? Yeah. And I think, and he's not gonna have a better reign than this. I don't. I, it's pretty hard to do. I think. Um, I do remember the initial approach to the Atlantic title or the international title, whatever you want to call it, right? And I do think that was an interesting approach, having it like being a traveling title. But I think that's kind of dumb because. It's an AEW title at the end of the day, so I think it should be an AEW. I think Cassie's approach to it was awesome. Defending it constantly, defending on TV and against international opponents if you want to. You had like Fletcher, Garcia, and like all and these the, different people. And then people, also weave right? in the story of him accumulating injuries. Right. I thought every that was week. really awesome. Yeah. And I feel like with Moxley, and I'll talk about it on Dynamite, like he's going to have good matches too, but it's just not it's not the same. Right. And I feel like we're, I'm going to go through a withdrawal period, right? Because. Yeah. There'll be an adjustment I'm, for sure. I'm going to miss this. It was a really awesome thing to have, like, basically every week. I think even when the trios matches left us, uh, yeah. Cassidy didn't. Yep. So, um, honestly, the ha- salute to AEW and Orange Cassidy because it was truly an epic run. And for C- Cassidy to do something like that is crazy. I think the match was really awesome, too. It brought a di- out a different side of him. I thought he looked awesome, covered in blood and whatever. Yeah. And he went out um, strong, though. I think Moxley did have to kind of kill him to get the win, yep. which at least I can respect that. But um, I'm always going to miss that title run. I could just go on forever because it was truly something amazing. And it's it's crazy how well it turned out. It had, yep. I think it went better than it had any right to be. But, yeah. It was um, uh, it was a good run while it lasted. I'm going to miss it. And he, he, he did good. Uh, overall, ended up being a really good show. Despite I thought it was a better show than it had any right to be, considering it was like... Because I was very much of the opinion that it, this was like kind of lackluster because it was just, it's on the heels of All In. Yeah, which you know? was awesome. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think it's ever going to touch All In, but I think it was as good as it could have been. So, like, Omega Takeshita was awesome in my match of the night. Um, the strap match was awesome. So, that's two, I thought, awesome matches. Um, I enjoyed Luchasaurus quite a bit, Miro Hobbs quite a bit. I don't think anything was bad on the show, a lot of things over delivered. I not, think at worst you had like something like lackluster under delivering, but nothing bad. Right? Not like, quite the level of all in, but not far behind. So if all in was an A minus, this is a B plus, and over delivered. Like we were like, eh, this feels like a lot of leftovers and it felt as stuff. secondary as an AEW pay per view has ever felt. But really, you know? some really good stuff on this show. So I went yeah. B plus. Agreed. I think like I went in this feeling like it was extremely secondary because I thought like. It did all out a huge disservice to go right after All In, and I felt like that kind of made it made it feel like incredibly secondary. Yeah. Um. However, I think they really made the best of this. Um, I thought a lot of the matches were really good. I thought Omega Takesha was awesome, and I love that. I would love to rewatch it at some point. I thought the strap match was great for a stipulation that we don't typically enjoy, but um, I really enjoyed that, and I think Brian is really good in those matches because I remember liking the one with the Fiend too. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Um and I thought the main event was awesome too. Um, I'll always be disappointed in that result, but um, it was still a great match, and at least we can always remember that run as something very nice. Um, I thought like the first two matches were pretty solid, and like at worst the TBS match was mm-hmm. like 
good and like or the blackpool tag was underwhelming like at worst you had things to kind of under delivering but nothing was bad no nope. and for something that kind of felt like a major b show compared to like the a show of all in i'm not saying like grade wise but you know how like Raw yeah. and smack and that kind of thing yep um i think it turned out really good though so i would also give it a b plus i think it over delivered just on the back of a a huge show um mm-hmm. i think it it lived up to what it should be as a pay-per-view yeah aew delivers again on pay-per-view almost never disappoints yeah. with all out being one of the original ones i was worried it would be kind of thrown under the bus here but yeah. I think it turned out good no and i think they're gonna keep doing this um yeah. year after year with one as long show as after they the build other. it a little better next time and yeah. like put on or line up a decent card like they did here i think they could pull it off again yep all right well let's uh shift from the aew's pay-per-view into AEW's weekly show and, well, one of the weekly shows, the one that we watch, and that is Wednesday Night Dynamite. All right, talk about some Dynamite. I guess right off, hot off the heels of what we were just talking about, uh, we first hear from Orange Cassidy. Right. uh, He comes out and we get a bunch of thank you Orange chants, which is earned i feel like yeah we did for quite a while he had to sort of stand and wait for the crowd normally i wouldn't but i feel like that's i feel like it's earned like i said i very much love this run it's it was did you yeah it was it was something to behold like it was honestly it as the saying goes it would not be on my 2023 bingo card you know right um especially not when he won the title um cassie says thank you to the fans he says he was told to stay home but he's like nah i'm not gonna do that he didn't wrestle though, which kind of sucks. Yeah. I would have liked a Cassidy match just just for old time's sake. I say that as he like wrestled last week. I'm I'm weird. Oh, the the cat's down here. Yep. Or you can hear at least. Um, he says title or no title, he will be here every week because he is freshly squeezed. He is freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy, and he does not have a catchphrase. He does not. I thought it was a nice moment to bring him out to start the show to let the fans show their appreciation for him right that was yeah. i thought a really classic thing is a nice earned moment for him and also just to sort of uh help people who are like oh man i hope he's not back burnered now by going like no champion or not i'm still here every week so like people like okay breathe a sigh of relief you've yeah. really gotten into orange cassidy or you already were and he'll still be around and then they have I don't know if you mentioned it, but they do that. What Mox's music bleeds into the they segment, into that, which yeah. was, uh, I thought, interesting, too, because NXT's experimented with doing this from time to time. And when they did used to do that, they can yeah, do it well know. sometimes. Sometimes I feel it's too much, but um, at times it can really add a little something or start a little something or breadcrumb with, uh, something Joe for and later. MJF, at least, right. Man. So, yeah, I thought this was a very classy way to start the show. Just thinking about it when you were talking about Cassie's sticking around, I was thinking, and hear me out. I say, like, in the not-too-distant future, we give Best Friends the trio's titles. Good. I think it would be a perfect time to do it because I think it would keep ca- it could keep Cassidy hot on TV and give us our trio's open challenges back. And I think finally give Best Friends some love because I don't think they're getting the tag titles anytime I soon. Think but I think, point, like, you got to give Best Friends their flowers. You know what I mean? So. But I think at some point you and I need to adjust our expectations of the trio's championships. How many times are we going to be like... Because they just don't seem to use it. We wanted the belt so badly. I still think they could, though. They can, but they don't, don't seem to. But I, that's could. what I'm saying. I think the best friends would be the perfect way to do that. Because I think Cassie could adopt that mentality he had with the international title again. And I, then I think you could also use it to benefit the best friends. Because 
let's be honest, aside from the couple recent victories, they were largely on the back burner in yes. light of Cassie's success. So I think, I feel like them having the trio stars would be really cool. Um, and I would hope they could do that. Honestly, I think that's a thousand times better than the acclaim. Cause I'm going to be honest and it's a bit of a hot take. I don't care too much about the acclaim. I anymore. don't either right now. I know they're still kind of hot and I, I love that for them and I respect that, but I don't personally care a lot. But I that. almost feel like at this point, the trios titles, I see the trios champions less than I see best friends right now. So it would almost be like having the trios titles will lower their profile right now. I feel like, which though, is unfortunate. You could, I feel like you could use that to elevate both though. You could, but and I'm just I saying it's, I think it's something for best friends. Cause I think they're a quality tag team. They've been going they for are. so long without getting anything. And I think that's what you can give them. And also, I just I want something for Cassie. I think I'm I like Cassie a lot more after this run. But yep. yeah, I'm still sad he lost the title, uh, but which deserves big props because um, I love Moxley too. But I'm gonna miss it every week. Um, anyways, yeah, this was a nice moment for him. Uh, nice thing for AEW to do because he de- he definitely deserves some applause from the fans for what for all that work he put in. Because like I said, it was banger after banger after banger. Yes. Uh, and yes, we bleed into the, our first match of the night, which is John Moxley's first defense of the title that belongs to Orange Cassidy. And now it's not in a backpack. He's defending against A.R. Fox, who's now nice again. Mox and Fox. Mox and Fox. I just wrote international title match and no Cassie in sight. It feels kind of wrong. Oh, my goodness, man. I'm just it Move was, on. Uh, I feel this is the Cassie withdrawal period. It's going to be weird, right? Apparently. It's, for you, it yeah. seems, yeah, yeah. I don't know, I don't know what you're on, but it's it was something. It was something. Uh, we I didn't know much from this, but because I was trying to watch it, but uh, there's a few things that Fox did a Topicon heel, which looked pretty nice. Uh, he had a super kick and a neck breaker. There was a roll through cutter for two, which was cool because he like rolled Mox with him. Mm-hmm. Um, Fox connects with an Insiguri, then runs the ropes, but gets uh, he got caught with a King Kong Larry from Mox and. We got a Death Rider for the win. Um, Darby came out to support Fox. And on the screen, we saw Christian Luchasaurus approach Nick Wayne backstage. Uh, Cage asked if he was expecting someone else. And he says he's a fine boy, which is a weird turn of phrase. <laughs> and he says he decided to watch some Buddy Wayne footage. I don't even know where Buddy Wayne would have wrestled. Because he doesn't either. sound like he was a big star or anything. No. Um, and he, Christian says he was even worse than he thought he was. He says he knows Nick thinks Darby is the guy for his mentor, but if he really wants a good one, he should look to a champion. Of course, referring to himself. And then on his way, he says he tells Nick to say hi to his mom for him, which is <laughs> yes, devious. Um, I thought it was a short but solid opener. Uh, it was nice to see Fox get some time to shine again. He's also entertaining in the ring, although I still think there's missed potential with him in the Mogul Embassy. I still think that was really cool, and it- I'm. It ended of, too fast, for sure. It ended too and fast. Very, very suddenly. Yeah, just it didn't really connect for me. I'm still a little bothered that it didn't that because I thought it was really good, especially that one segment. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, but I love Moxley. He's stellar as always. He's finished as brutally per usual. It was great. And all. It won't hit the same as Cassie's matches because there was always that in-ring story, like you were saying, with the injuries. And like he would always eke out a win. And it's like his opponents get to look in, they, and then but then he ekes out a win anyways. But with Moxley, I feel like... Fox still gets to look decently good, but Mox is always going to have to, like, overpower them in the end and just, like, kind of come out. Like, it's not going to hit the same. I feel like Cassie's shtick really worked for an open challenge. And that's not to say Mox won't work. I feel like he will still have some great matches. I'm sure he will because, let's be honest, Moxley is amazing. But 
I it's not gonna be the same. Uh, but I still loved it. Just uh, not loved it, but I I liked it. Just not fully feeling it yet. You know. Yeah, I thought this was a good match. Steady pace, good physicality from Mox, and then Fox has like really cool looking offense every week, right? So. Mm-hmm. Outcomes never in doubt, which is going to be the case pretty much for most of Mox's reign. It's just something to be fair. That was the case with Cassidy as well. Correct. I enjoyed the match. Still weird, like you said, to see someone other than Cassidy defending. But um, the only issue I had here is why would Wayne and Alan watch from backstage and not be at ringside when Claudio's there? You know what I mean? Was Claudio there? I don't remember. Yes. And then they separate. I guess he he didn't do anything, but still, like the threat of it, It, right? And then they separate after the match so that Nick Wayne's alone. And, like, you know what I mean? It's just some stupid babyface stuff that plagues wrestling that I I hope people can avoid, but they don't. Yeah, that's fair. But the Um, match itself, I liked it. I did like that backstage bit with uh, Wayne and Christian. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, It was pretty solid as well. Heel Christian actually serves a purpose on, like, his babyface days, which is a weird thing to say because obviously that's a while ago now, but he's great Christian's in this so role. so much better now. I'm so glad they made this decision because Chris, he, or sorry, babyface Christian Cage sucked. He was so boring and I hated it. And but really venomous Christian Cage is he's hilarious. So good. He's so good. Um, always some amusement video found with him and he, I think he's interesting. He's, he was like trying to poach Wayne. I don't know if he's serious about it, but yeah, it was still interesting. Anyways. And also with the Moxley, the way Moxley holds the international title, it made me notice how similarly shaped it is to the AEW title. Yeah, it's very similar, but um, that almost makes me like it more because the AEW title is gorgeous, and so I think the international title is a very beautiful belt indeed. Yeah, this is the Christian we enjoy, right? Like yeah. he's he's talking trash, carrying a belt that's not his, like has to correct himself because he refers to it as his and ours, it, right? Yeah, and has a monster, a silent monster to fight all his battles for him. He's, it's perfect for him. It's a great stick. And the good thing is like. He, he his opponents have to be willing to take some really personal shots, and they have been so far, oh and that's God. really good. Could you imagine him with CM Punk? No, oh, that would happened. be so funny. And I think what long long term, I think this sets up a huge babyface turn for Luchasaurus somewhere down the line, right? Because I obviously that, yeah. he's going to mistreat Luchasaurus, and Luchasaurus being silent, the fans are really going to get behind him, and like. Way down the road, you can have that happen. And I've wondered them what Luch Short can do on his own as a babyface. Because obviously, like with Jack Perry doing Jack Perry things, I don't know if we go back to Jungle Boy ever. I don't, I don't know, know either. Because I'm gonna miss Jurassic Express. I feel like they had an okay title run, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of missing them now. I think about, it, but I don't. I do think a Luch Short's face turn could be in the cards, and I do think it'd be really interesting. Yep. Um, kind of like a Batista thing, but obviously not. No, on that level, because obviously it's very different, but it's also kind of similar. If you do, you see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, but yeah, I think that could be in the cards. Yeah, um, just because Christian's an unbearable douchebag. He is. What, but, in, a, in the best well, way possible. We, we love it. Yep. We love it. And Mister Turtleneck. That's right. Gotta love it. Um, next we get Chris Statlander defending the TBS Championship against Emmy Sakura. Mystery partner or mystery opponent though, kinda. No, not really. I I knew already. It, it, was, is it was advertised. It's one of those things where it's an open challenge where they've already d- told you who it is. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like that's like I don't know. I guess that still works as an open challenge, but just it does. The way AEW does it to me, it just doesn't work. Because I feel like WWE, they would always like. They, I feel like when they announce it before, they always like make up some BS about social media. This, it's like I don't. Know, I don't know. There's just some disconnect for me. I wish it was kind of an open challenge. That'd be kind of nice, but. 
Anyways, technically the opener was one as well, which again, true, I knew about. true, um, true. But I thought back-to-back open challenges was an odd choice. Yep, I didn't really okay. think about it to be honest, but you're right. At least it's a different slot for the women, though. I thought that yep. was also weird, but not in a bad way because at least it's kind of switching it up. Also, when will we figure out what Stylander's gimmick is? Still have no clue. <laughs> yes. Um, notables, there was a roll-up for two uh, from Sakura, but then she re- went right into a Tiger Bomb for another two count early on, which I thought was pretty nice. She came out hot in <laughs> this yep. one, man. Uh, with Statlander's seat against the Steel Sears, she hit like a basement crossbody, which was kind of cool. There's like I a, thought that looked awesome. A chop lariat in like, one move, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, one-arm chops. And the next one's a lariat. Chop right into a lariat. Just like yeah, one, one, two kind of combo She's thing. She's cool. Uh, there's a slingshot elbow drop from Statlander. Um, Sakura. Uh, she hit like a delayed butterfly backbreaker, which was really cool for a two count. And Statlander picked up the win with the Wednesday Night Fever. I first of all, I talked about it when we watched it. I love how vocal Sakura is. Like she's, yeah, she's yelling constantly and screaming. Like, chattering and, in the match. Yeah. Um, the crossbody, the steps looked cool. I fully expected Statlander was moving at that, but she did not. I thought Sakura brought the fire early and got the crowd into this, and then Statlander got to showcase her power, but only a little bit because it was Sakura. It was a short match, and Sakura dominated a lot of it, right? So Statlander gets a quality win. Um, didn't get a lot of time. I really enjoy. I think Emmy Sakura is really good. Um, she looked like a threat in this, and if. That she came out looking strong for sure. Build on this momentum. She's unique, experienced, and I think she's really good. I wish they would just do more than put her in random matches with no build ever. I don't right? think they're she's going good. to though. No, I don't either. I feel like I don't know why. I feel like she's older. Not like, she is, but like I feel she's like she's definitely like a, a veteran. She is now, so I can't imagine her getting much upward mobility anymore. And also, just like look wise, I don't know if they would. How dare but, you? She's not old. She's exactly my age. Okay, so she's old. Actually, technically born a year earlier, but we're the same age right now. Oh, until October. <laughs> so yeah, soon. she's not young. But yeah, so I I figured. But, but she's, she's still she's still really good. I think I like her in this purpose though. She's different. She's good in the ring. It's true. I don't she's think filling she, a role. I don't think she'll ever do anything because I do think it's labor. But I do like this like dark character compared to like that weird Eddie Mercury thing she was doing. Yeah. Or sorry, jo- Freddie Eddie, Mercury. Eddie sorry, Mercury. I missed a, his I missed cousin. A couple Freddie Mercury's lesser known. I, I missed cousin. a couple letters there, but like I remember she's doing that kind of thing when she first came. Yeah, and was just, she was. I do kind of like this look better, and I thought she was kind of entertaining here. She's fun. Uh, her offense was really cool and unique. Um, so I do kind of like her. In this. She did look like a threat, however, I didn't think Statlander was ever in danger. Of course losing, not. Of course. Um, but I like that she got time to shine before she took the inevitable loss. So I thought that this was um job well done. Yeah, so, solid women's match. I thought. Uh, oddly enough, Emi Sakura, someone who who's never on TV, um, probably one of my preferred women's matches in recent times, just because a lot of time it's just meh. But yep. I like I thought this was good. Me too. Uh, next we got a quick vignette from Roddy Strong. Uh, he's sitting in a chair with his neck brace on with the kingdom. Uh, he was talking about his upbringing, about his parents having a drug and alcohol problem. He said professional wrestling was there for him, and it's his everything. He said he grew up alone, and he'll win this tournament alone as he's sitting with the kingdom. Yeah. Um, and it starts tonight. I thought this was cool. They kind of did this with him in uh, NXT as well, the backstory. I don't ever remember that. Oh, yeah. It was his rough upbringing. I'm going to assume it was pre-Undisputed Era. And I'm going to be honest, other than him facing... uh, There's only... like The only things I remember from his babyface time in NXT was challenging Bobby Roode and Drew McIntyre for the NXT title on TV. 
And that's all I remember from him pre-Unspeed Era, other than War Games. I thought this was cool, but there's a bit of an odd tone to it just because it's really a serious thing. And then Roddy's delivery is a little bit unique, shall we I say? Thought it, I thought it but was But I still good, really though. liked it. Um, I liked a speaking segment with him again, which is weird. But uh, So I thought it was good. I don't think it was on the level of his outburst last week, however. I still liked it. Included some realism to it, so I think that helps. Um, and it's a nice backstory for him. Yep. Um. With Samoa Joe in the tournament, and I mentioned this later in, their, in his segment, but it seems like him and MJF, like, they'll have, like, an issue. So I'm a little concerned for the Roddy dream win here, but I still hope they pull it off because I really do think that the next evolution of the Cole-MJF story is Roddy. I do think the MJF-Joe feud has potential, as we'll see later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the Roddy thing is much better because I think it encompasses cole as well i feel like the joe thing is a little like you could do that after this Mm -hmm. i feel like strong it's like a nice or maybe you do the joe thing before i don't know but i feel this is the only time you can get strong in a world title match right now yeah and i feel like it just kind of meshes everything together nicely i don't think it's happening but i i'm starting to question it but i still think that they should um anyways next we get chris jericho and sammy Guevara versus our boys ozzy open yep uh, this is an Aussie Open podcast. Um, some notables here. Uh, Jericho and Guevara go for a double team. Vadivas did a cartwheel for some reason and then hit a double clothesline. Wow. Um, chop exchange between Guevara and Fletcher. Uh, there's a tandem delayed vertical suplex from Guevara and Jericho. Uh, Fletcher kicked out of a code breaker, much to my surprise. So good for him, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aussie Open do like their spine buster, the, uh, the super collider variation that they do on the outside uh, where they have both home, like in like over their shoulders and they run around the ring and com- like smash them into each other. Yep. Uh, Davis drops Jericho from the fireman's carry into the kick from Fletcher and then they hit that Aussie arrow, that middle rope cutter mm-hmm. um, assist that they do. Uh, there's a super kick. Then the running corner into Gary from Fletcher followed by the Ravens for two shades of the orange Cassie match. Looks good. He just, he's got really good speed on it. He does. And then he just smashes them in the corner. Like I thought it looked really good again. It did. And it reminded me of that match I love so dearly. Uh, and then Fletcher ate a juice effect. He sold it pretty good, I'll say. Was um, a good Judas effect Jericho. for once. Yeah, and uh, Jericho gets the win for his team. Uh, and Sammy's on match, some accidental friendly fire. Then they argue to the point where security cuts in, like which I thought was odd because usually when teams, like, I feel like that's usually when like it's major rivals and you think they're going to fight. But this, I don't know, security here was a little weird to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to nitpick a little bit because I'm getting a bit defensive at the treatment of Aussie Open. I don't oh, know. I, I'm, I will too. I don't know why Fletcher would stand there and do nothing. The one part where Jericho and Sammy are like making mocking poses right in front of him and he doesn't do anything. Was that when they do like the pose that they always do? Or are yes. you talking about the delayed suplex? No, the posing. I guess just that too. And Davis then come Callis in. even wonders aloud why Davis would not go in and break up the tandem stalling yeah, suplex. Like is, yeah. why wouldn't you go in? So just a couple things that... These are tag team specialists, and they're amazing. They wouldn't make I, these mistakes. I love Aussie Open, yeah, and they just look kind of odd here. Um, I thought it was, this was. I thought it was fine. good still. I don't yeah, like the result. I thought it was but... okay. Uh, nothing amazing though, but it was solid. I think at least Aussie Open were decently competitive here, unlike their All In match. I, I had this that was as a well. Step up from that. Agree. They didn't get crushed at least, and made to look dumb again. However, I don't think it helps they lost to two guys who haven't teamed in ages and are having <laughs> like marital problems. Um, if we were going to have Sammy and Jericho argue uh, after the match anyways, couldn't Ozzy Open have one to make it more sense? And wouldn't, if anything, wouldn't that make it better? Like, mm-hmm. wouldn't that make the argument 
make more sense, if anything. I think I don't so. Know. I liked the match by the end of it. I, I, I did thought, like it. But... I thought Aussie Open looked good. I still have the same complaint with the Jericho-Sammy stuff. I, so I never know whether either one of them are heel or face. And so when you're trying to tell a story where the key element is who's heel and who isn't, like, I don't know and I don't care because they've all been, like, nebulous, kind of neither, both for yeah, I think, months like, now. It's weird because Sammy was drifting towards face and Jericho's heel, but then the callous thing came in, so now then Jericho's drifting towards right. face and now and the they're both faces. And the Guevara face and then he kind of wasn't then, and now he is. Yeah, it's been a weird year for Guevara. So when you're, like, you've rendered for them for me with them any turns kind of meaningless so when that's the linchpin of your story i'm like i don't really care because they've both been everything forever i i don't see a payoff that i'm interested me in. either i i don't know yep i'm glad ozzy opened in, on, on tv again i'm always going to be happy to see them um i just don't understand why they had to lose again. i don't enjoy how they're being used at the moment but no, I was really happy. Like, I think ROH Tag Team Champions was nice for them because, like, it gave them some gold and some some level of prominence, we'll yep. say. Whatever the ROH titles uh, equate to. But, um, yeah, this isn't the best for them right now. Uh, but I'll still take them being on TV because I love to see them. And their theme song is a bop. Correct. Uh, next, we get a recap of the Nelson Starks match with some promo bits from Starks. I didn't... I didn't catch all of it because I was honestly about to write it off as just a recap package. But from what I did get... Um, no, he went off. I, d I didn't write specific notes, but he, he went, went off, off yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, he talked about how he didn't tap and nobody can tap him out. He asked when he'll get a chance and he isn't going to keep pouring his heart out for nothing. He said that among other things. But he sounded really good here. The passion was there. He was back to the confident, cocky heel Starks that we love. Um, and I think he was a good baby face. Don't get me wrong. However, he is... So much better as a heel, far more entertaining. Um, he comes out of the star match looking great too. Here, so here's hoping they capitalize on that momentum here. That's funny. And I, I said build on that momentum, but pretty close. Yeah, I'm not saying like, I don't know. I I figured they can do something. It's just like they don't need more titles, but I feel like titles are an easy way to like push someone. And obviously those the titles feel occupied right now, so I'm not sure what they can do with him, but. I hope they do something, you know. I, that's that's for the creative to figure out and for me to watch. I thought he sounded great here, intense and believable. And a little bit, he's a little bit like Tiffany Stratton for me in terms of, I would say virtually all of his recorded stuff is great, but sometimes live in a longer segment, I feel like he gets a bit lost. I think that was also in the babyface role. I feel like, I think he's pretty good in general, but I think it works better. As and same thing, the the strap match with with um, Danielson was fantastic, so I'm hoping they they build on that for him. Yeah, I think it's a, it was a really good kind of elevation point for him. Yep. Why is my doc not responding? It's not working. Start working. It's being slow. Well, I can kind of go it was renee the, with there we go renee with callus and Takeshita. Yep. all right now we're we're back in um tagging back in uh yeah we have callus and Takeshita with renee they have another covered art thing because callus can't learn from his mistakes um callus talks about Takeshita being omega twice in a week technically true yep. uh and he's the new big dog around here he says they'll celebrate next week and reveal their next target um i thought this was a solid bit i'm just glad they're keeping Takeshita moving mm -hmm. like they're kind of keeping keeping the train running or the ball rolling uh, after the all-out success that yep. he had. Um, I could see Kenny coming back to even the score, 
but I'm okay with that Me just too. from a wrestling standpoint. Yep. I mean, would I love to catch this good defensive win and move on because he's awesome? Sure. But uh, will I gladly take another match and or a third match? Also, yes. Yep. Especially with another pay-per-view coming up, you could just do that. That's fine. I like that Callus, this painting thing, has now become a gimmick, and it's pretty amusing, even to the point now where it's like, we'll use it to build a week away now, right? Because people really want to see that painting. And they're just My a... favorite one is still the Callus Takesha Centaur. Yeah. Oh, I think that's sure. still my profile picture on Callus and Takeshita, we already said it, they're a great combination. And for him to be able to say in any sense, have it be yeah, true it, it is. that he beat Kenny twice in a week is yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's awesome for him. I'm super happy for him because he's one of those guys where we've just kind of enjoyed him from day one. That I'll never forget seeing that. Yeah. It's like me getting captivated by Tyler Rust, except Tyler Rust didn't do crap. Right. And now he's not even on social. I don't He's just dropped off the radar. But yeah, ever since the first match, Takesh has just been captivating. So um, I'm really happy to see him actually getting a push now. Me too. The two promises I had this year were a push for Takesh and the return of Pete Dunne. And only one of those has happened. At least one panned out. Uh, next, we will hear from Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Um, so he he did like some crap hand or whatever, talking about you know, you know using the devil catchphrase and all that spiel. I uh, just kind of gloss over that because that's pretty standard. Um, babyface MJF, it's still kind of strange. It is. He said that <laughs> he called Tony Khan a mark and said that he told he was told he had to wrestle again on September 20th, but he said it's Grand Slam and it's in the Devil's Den because, of course, it is in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said whoever wins that tournament will find out that nobody's on the level of the devil. And he said one person might need, need to be taught a certain lesson, and that leads to Samoa Joe coming out. Um, Joe asks him what seems to be the problem, kid. Uh, then MJ proceeded to make a fat joke, saying maybe Joe confused Max's music with an ice cream truck, which is pretty funny. <laughs> uh, and then Joe said last time he was involved with an ice cream truck, he was busy being the biggest star on the other company's network. Which we which did not get in the we moment. We did not get, but I just I did see something. Because he was in, I think it's Twisted Metals, the movie, and he played some clown-looking character. Mm-hmm. I believe he's in an ice cream truck. I feel like it's because that movie is probably on Peacock. I think that's probably the idea. Oh, okay. WWE. I... <laughs> I thought it was like NXT or something. I was like, but this doesn't make sense to me. But I think it makes sense now. Yep. Um, Joe kept calling him kid. He kept like repeating like what seems to be the problem. Kid kind of like trying to either like get under his skin or get to the point kind of thing. Uh, I'm just saying he's a pretty creative guy. Then he started going at with more fat jokes uh, like Samoa Doe. I think it was just a Pillsbury Joe boy or something like that. Yes. Um, MJ said when he was 19 years old, he had tried on Brooklyn for WWE and he knocked it out of the park. And he, re- he mentioned obviously that story with Regal again, blew- blowing him off. And he's, he, it ended with him knocking Regal out uh, and sending him back to NXT where he belongs. And then uh, MJF did t- talk about that security incident from NXT right. all those years ago. And what was the line? He was saying, like, Joe. T- took a 19 year old kid who was just trying to do his job oh my and God, then the yeah. crowd chant he was like and someone just ran from the crowd and just said and effed him and it was like but the full word it and was perfectly timed l- i haven't laughed that hard it was so in quite funny. a while we rewound a couple times <laughs> it was just one crowd member's voice perfectly timed and perfectly, perfectly like audible perfectly, yeah right yeah it was very very funny it was so funny you could hear some crowd laughter ever uh, I'm laughing just thinking. I'm about a full-grown man, and I <laughs> almost laughed to tears at, at it. 
It was great. Oh, I was almost crying laughing. It was so funny. I don't just the timing on that was awesome. Honestly, the it was. restraint to for Joe and MJ to not even so much as acknowledge that. I respect them because that was funny as hell. I tried to find it on the internet after. I haven't found it yet because it was. It was funny. So funny. I would save that clip if I could. Oh man, it was hilarious. Uh, anyways, um. MJF said Joe is next, and he told the story about, obviously, the security thing. He said he knows how scumbags think because he's the fan scumbag. He said he's not a boy anymore. He's a generational talent and the AW World Champion, best wrestler on the God's Green Earth. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. While also headlining uh, the most historic pay-per-view of all time, of course, that being All In. He says he's MJF. He says, he, or sorry, he warns Joe to stay out of his way or he will kill him because he's Maxwell Jacob Freeman and he's better than you and you know it. That whole spiel. Um, Samoa Joe said that was a point beautifully made. He said he didn't think of MJF as a kid when he pushed him. Uh, he said he'll be in the tournament and he'll be everybody for it and then he's going to come for MJF. He told MJF to have a nice day. Uh, and then MJF left and he got crushed in the ropes. He got beat down by Joe. Um, and then he tried to fight back with a low blow, uh, but then. Uh, Joe spiked him with an uh, the ear noggin in the corner, and he was going to go for a muscle buster, but Cole ran out for the save, and then uh, MJF was getting checked on. Getting checked on. Yeah, this first, like, way too long. Yeah. Both of them are very talented and are very believable speaking. I was enjoying it, but I got distracted by that fan. We both were, like, drifting honest. by the end of it. it was, <laughs> that, that fan helped. It was a long, long promo. But, um, yeah, I mean... I love Joe being put into the main event sort of tier, even though there's no chance he actually wins. He's great on the mic. He knows how to build a match. He can be a great heel now that MJF's doing a babyface thing for Which a bit. Which is so but weird. It is weird. You're just kind of always waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? Is yeah. is a perpetual well, state like, right now. There's not only that, but just now that he's feuding with heels is really weird. Yep. No reason for this to be this long, but I have not laughed as hard as I did. <laughs> at that but in a long time so that was good. Oh, i laugh when i think i don't know how i could find that again but i will be so happy when i find that again. it was funny because that was so funny on uh, that's that takes me back to being at like live shows because that's those are that's typically the kind of thing you'd only hear when you're there but the yeah. fact that you can just like barely hear it over everyone is awesome that was honestly the fav- my favorite part um i enjoy this though um overall uh, I thought it was really good for the most part. I did think, obviously, uh, it oversees its welcome, like you were saying. But um, overall, I thought it was pretty good because, obviously, they're both great on the mic, so they can play off each other really well, and I think they did. I would like the callback to that infamous NXT moment because um, that's always some, some something people mention when, like, talking about early Andre. So I like that it's kind of, like, used for a little feud here. I think that's a neat idea. Um, if I'm being honest, I did get distracted by that fan because it, it's so funny. It's so goddamn funny. If it's possible to find that clip, I implore anyone to watch that because it it's so funny. It's perfect. Uh, the end stretch of this was fine, but just like it kind of suffered from feeling really long. Um, overall, though, I like this. Uh, I like them training barbs. I still want Roddy to win the tournament, though. Good luck. Um, and we go right into that with uh, Roddy and Trent Beretta, best friends, getting some time in the Grand Slam World Title Tournament. And congrats to both of them making the quarterfinals. Woo! They must have like, qualified on Dark or something. Oh, wait. doesn't exist. Um, and this kind of bled in from the last segment as well because um, Roddy came out shouting Adam yes. Cole's name again. He did. Um, as MJ was being helped to the back. 
and Roddy took off the neck brace uh, for the match. I thought it's really funny that his graphic for like the collision match with Darby is like him like looking like a middle aged dad and he's got the neck brace on. Yeah, it's really funny. Yeah. Um, I thought it looked really cool. Roddy ran into like a standing meteor from Trent. I thought that looked really nice. Uh, there was chops and a pendulum back over here from Roddy. Um, Roddy was like kind of standing on the stairs and he just dropped uh, Trent in a back suplex on the apron. He came yes. off really hard. That looked awesome. He though. landed really hard. Um, Trent hit two consecutive German suplexes. Those looked pretty nice and heavy. Um, then Roddy blocked a third, but uh, Trent was able to connect with the Death Valley driver for two. Uh, we got a nice sick kick from Roddy for a two count. Uh, Inziguri followed by a nice half and half suplex from Trent. That was really nice, I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice power driver from Trent. But Roddy got his foot on the bottom rope at the two count. And eventually, Roddy connected with a knee strike, which he does very nicely. And the end of heartache for the win. Yeah, really good TV match. Really similar, right? Similar size, both tons of experience. Really fast, really accomplished. Um, lots of targeting of Roddy's neck, which is an opportunity for someone like Trent to just give you lots of cool looking offense, right? And target yep. that neck. Nice half and half in the power driver. Yeah, definitely makes sense to have Roddy win. He's involved in a story with Cole and MJF right now. And yeah, other than having to see the kingdom at all, I thought <laughs> that this was really good. I'll never get tired of the end of heartache, man. I it's love a really that nice move. Finisher, yeah. So yeah, I thought this was a really good TV match. Yeah, I enjoyed this. It was a really, it was a really nice TV match, like you said. Um, it was as good as you would expect from these two, and I mean that in a nice way. Um, Roddy's neck troubles were a nice story in the match, and I assume that's a, that'll be a nice tournament thing. Although that's only two more matches. Yes. Uh, which, but I mean. No, jokes aside, this is a good size tournament for TV because obviously I think eight man's a great TV tournament. Yeah, I think sixteen is more if you want to do TV to pay per view kind mm-hmm. of thing. But I just think that my issue comes then. Don't call the first round a quarterfinal, like that's the only thing. You just can, say first round, first round, semis, finals. That's fine. Yeah. But I think calling the first round any sort of final is just stupid. Yep. Um, but the back suplex on the apron was really gnarly. That was awesome. End of Heartache is always cool to see, like you said. It's like a drill call thing, except we actually see it. Um, Speaking mm, of which. More on that. <laughs> um, I thought Trent, though, uh, looked nice here. He doesn't always get appreciated, but I thought he had some really cool offense. I like the half nice suplex. The power drive was nice. So I like I like seeing some uh, nice stuff from Trent here. Yep. And like I'm saying, Trios has would be a nice way to get him on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roddy's always going to win, but still a really nice TV match of this, I thought. Um then we get Tony Storm interview doing her weird shtick. Um, she gets asked about costing Ruby the two years title, and she kind of denies it, saying she doesn't remember. She says, must look forward and not backwards. Um, she gets asked by Renee about the four-way uh, to determine Soraya's Grand Slam challenger. Ew. That means Soraya's almost been here for a year. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Gross. That's, ugh. What the hell? That's... Oh, why did I just realize that? Jesus. Um, Tony says Renee is so noisy. Uh, next week, she'll do an exclusive sneak peek in her life, I guess. Um, and she <laughs> says, you know True. what they say, chin up, tits out, and watch out for the shoe. Then when she leaves, she throws a shoe at Renee. Yeah. Sure. I think we're kind of in the same place. Like, I don't know. I really don't know how I feel about this. It's yeah. really cheesy, but maybe amusing. Not sure. It's just, I. the only word I can think of is intriguing, because I don't. I don't think I can say I like it yet, but I definitely Same. don't hate it because I'm willing to give this a chance because it's not. Gets the my Outcast. attention. It's not like the Outcast where it's bad, and I know I don't like it. Uh, and I'm not for sure liking this yet, but Same. it just it kind of remains to see where this will go, uh, and then that'll kind of depend on how I feel because I just I don't know what to think about it right now. But it's 
the the nicest thing I can say is it's interesting. And again, the women get some extra patience because the ball's been dropped with that division until now. So I'm willing to like be a little patient because I'm the same. I'm not sure. Absolutely. I'm 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 hoping I like it, but the jury is still out. I respect the attempt at least. Correct. Uh, Next, we get to hear from Hangman Page, which turned out to be better than I expected. Yeah, I was not expecting where this went. Yeah, no, me neither. Um, Page is getting interviewed in the ring with Shivani. Um, Shivani talks to him about the battle royal he won on the All Out pre-show, which was a $50,000 charity battle royal, and he donated that to the Chicago Chicago Public Education Fund. Um, Giving money to Chicago. As a former teacher, what a guy. giving Giving Chicago money, though, at this time. Former high school teacher. What a loser. Who would want to do that job? That's, stu- that's stupid. Right. Um, Paige said it meant a lot to him because he was a teacher. While adding that teachers are underpaid and underappreciated. I wonder how old he would have been when he's teaching because he doesn't look that old. He's not very right? old. Right? Like, so that's that's pretty interesting. Um, Paige said he wanted to look forward. He wanted to speak at the rest of 2023. and But then Swerve's music hit. So, ho, ho. He's 32. Oh, wow. That's, that's pretty good for him, mm-hmm. actually. That's a nice like uh, prime age for him yep. actually, um, and then Nana's dancing in the ring because he's a funny little guy like that. Uh, he told Tony to leave, uh, while telling the fans to show some respect for Swerve. Um, when Swerve got to speak, he was saying being in a coffin for two weeks gives you some perspective, which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> uh, to suggest he's been in there for two weeks. Um, Swerve said those students, uh, the students he's donating to, are just gonna flunk out anyway, so it's kind of a waste of time. Uh, Swerve so mocked Paige for only being on the pre-show at All Out. He said that Paige hasn't gotten any new ring gear in a while, which I feel like is... That's not true. He wore new ring gear at Blood and Guts at least. So, there. Take that. I And I why do I remember that? Because it looked cool. Because it was like it was the Golden Elite colors or whatever, and it looked cool. Um, and he pointed out that Hangman's eating good with his new contract, and he was, he was kind of mocking him for that. Uh, he said that Paige has gotten comfortable hanging out with the Elite, and if he had the opportunities Hangman's had, he'd be the first black AW World Champion now. That is definitely true, because Swerve's awesome. Uh, Swerve said Paige should move out of the way um, and that t- and uh, move out of the spot he doesn't want so Swerve can take it. Um, he said he can move out of the way and go home and let Swerve take the spot and do more with it, because he actually wants it. Or he can show him and the people what is cowboy that is all about i uh, said that uh page can fight him for his spot and he but he warned uh hangman that he has no regard for anybody he said he'll walk him like a dog but i feel like dog walks are nice and peaceful though so that's kind of a weird analogy you know um he said either way he's coming for the spot that page acts like he doesn't even want um then page kind of gets fired up like he's like it was like he's talking to Swerve, but you can kind of hear it picking up on the mic that Swerve was holding. He said, if you want a match, then go to the match and get it. But he said he's done with us right now. Uh, he left the ring, but then Swerve kind of taunted him, saying it's a shame his wife and kids will have to see him walk away from responsibilities. So Paige came back in and got in his face. But Cage decked him from behind, and he had a powerbomb. And lo and behold, we got a, it. a drill claw. We got our drill a claw. mother effing drill Happened claw. Happened to your boy, but yes. a drill claw. I don't, drill claw it's a drill claw, okay? Yep. We will accept it because it's a drill claw, and that is awesome. Uh, and then Swerve and Cage stand over him after he got drill clawed. Yeah, Boom. I thought um, great to see Swerve out here because the if they slow burn this, the potential because Hangman is such a good good guy and Swerve is such so evil like super villain. 
Not to mention, I love both of them wrestling-wise. Right. I thought Swerve was fighting a little bit the first half of this, but then once he got focused on the whole idea, like, you're the privileged guy that's been given this spot and you're, like, reluctant about taking it, and, like, I'm the guy that can't get the spot he deserves. So that if would do you're, for it. If you're going to take it for granted, I'm just going to snatch it from you, and it's not going to be I really like that. I thought that was a really I cool pivot towards this because, admittedly, I, I love both these guys, and on paper, I'm going to be a fan of this just because I love both of them a lot, and I want to see them in a match. Um, but I do like the way they pivoted because it felt really random to me. When I saw it was Toro, I was like, I was like, what? Because yeah. it's random. I love it, but it's random. Um, but I really like what Swerve had to say, though. Um, from a certain point of view, he's right. Uh, it's been a fall from Grace from Hangman uh, since his top-of-the-card solo days, maybe partially because of Punk. Who knows? Um, but I really like it because, yeah, like you said, uh, hangman's kind of been gifted the opportunities he's had and uh even in past times and also i guess now he's kind of reluctant to take it and kind of reluctant to go on his own again and kind of yeah you know stand strong on his own and on obviously swerve with not getting those opportunities he's gonna go after that spot with by any and means bigger picture right? swerve's been wrestling forever and been all around the world and he's never been the major guy anywhere right and I mean, it's just well, like, like hangman like he went to bullet club then he was like a focal point of AEW. And they're trying really. to hand you the reins to this company and you're like hemming and hawing and he, he's about fumbling it. it right yeah, yeah i like it a lot i really like swerve being pissed by that and i do think yeah if they gave him an opportunity he would absolutely take the ball and run with it me too um with hangman being just a player in the elite black will saga i like that they're using this to reignite his solo fire and i feel like we've got glimpses of that when he got fired up and it's a great um, choice for an opponent for him to just be the baby face he is man yeah i think this will really like i think this is a great feud choice to bring back the the amazing baby face hangman that we got during the yep. the build to his title run and then the title run itself i think We've been kind of missing that ever since, like, the just kind of the withdrawal period. And then also, like, I love the Elite Blackpool saga this year. But, like I said, that wasn't, like, Hangman was just one of the players in that, right? I feel like to get him his own thing again is great. And I'll just take any excuse to get Hangman Swerve because those are two of my favorites on the roster. Um, and that'll be awesome, I feel like. Uh, maybe we booked that for Wrestle Dream. I don't know. Because it's like a month away. Another thing with Swerve, and I know you love it too, is the dynamic between super evil mean mugging swerve and then like just nana beside him being as goofy as heck dancing <laughs> i love it so it's just like the one guy is I love swerve all just like, business all the time and the yeah. other guy is like just I love having swerve a walks to the ring looking like a menace and not just like dancing like a fool but looking <laughs> looks, it's working for it's him so funny it's, yeah. it's becoming a thing for sure yep um i really enjoyed what they did here for Me something too. that came in a left field and i, I love this segment a lot uh, Swerve's great. He's awesome. And we got a drill claw, so that's going to bump it up a little for me. And obviously, Cage is gatekeeping, right? For Yep. I uh, next week, I think we'll get the butt. Right. That's a good match to have, yep. so I'm okay with Makes that. Makes sense. Uh, I think this was a win all around. Very nice. Uh, really cool feud to be getting. I think I'm, I'm very pleased with that yep. uh, in general. Uh, next, we got a quick promo package uh, for the people in the Grand Slam tournament, which oh, if right. you were thinking of world title contenders, you would definitely pick Jay Lethal, Penta, and Jeff Hardy. Absolutely. Specifically, Jeff Hardy. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, they all said a few things that was fine, but none of these guys make sense to be in a tournament for a world title shot. Allow me to elaborate. Uh, Jeff Hardy's old and he sucks, so I have no clue to why he's here. Simple. Also, he's unreliable if you really want to go there. Uh, Jay Lethal's done the song on his own in ages. He's a great hand in ring, but he hasn't done anything on his own meaning True. that's meaningful. And he teams with Jarrett, so he doesn't belong. 
And I love Penta. Don't get me wrong. We love Penta here. He's awesome. But he hasn't done much solo lately. Literally, the last thing he did was lose to Orange Cassidy last week. And so. even just the tone of this, as soon as it started, I'm like, this is promoing stuff I'm not going to see. Like, you rampage. can just feel it rampage. now, right? Like, this is not dynamite. And then I think my brain switches off a little bit because it's like, I'm not seeing the payoff of this, so I don't really no. care. These are just for Rampage matches. Right. And the... You didn't even put Samoa Joe in here. Yes, he already has a segment, but like he's the only one out of these four on Rampage that actually feels like it belongs in the tournament. Right. So, yeah. Um, then we go to our main event, which is Darby Allen versus Nick Wayne in a quarterfinal match again. Good job for Nick Wayne. Youngest quarterfinalist. Has to be. Right? Second TV main event, and he's, what, 18, 19? Not Very 20. Crazy. That's No, yeah, he's well, he just turned 18, right? Right. And, or, and, but just, but like beginning of summer, you know? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, Darby missed a suicide diver and then he just crashed into the barricade because he has a death wish, this yeah. guy. Mine says, Darby misses a suicide dive in grand fashion. <laughs> As he does. I don't know how... It's like, I don't know how Kenny doesn't have severe neck issues. I don't know how Darby's not dead. Right. Like, just... I don't know how he's not dead. Just, like, you... The mentality you have to have to be, like, run as Even fast willing as you to can do and you're really really fast and dive head first into a barricade go it's absolutely absurd sure. but on yeah. some level i respect it because oh, of course i'm not that i would never be able to do nope. that just he just that's truly just throwing caution to the wind it's, yes it's crazy um nick wayne hit a superplex right into a fisherman suplex uh superplex into a fisherman suplex okay making making sure i got that right uh for a two count the way he like bounces up into the bridge pin it's really cool because like he, they both make full contact and then he immediately like bridges out of that yeah like, like he like lands it. on his back like a normal suit but like then he bounces up into a bridge it's like, cool it's really cool it's like yeah. it's something that i don't think a lot of people do and also like it it helps him stand out and it's great like again he's 18 and he's doing something like so, so like minimally cool and it's like that. he had a lab in his house where he could just do stuff like that right mm-hmm. when you master a suplex at 12 you can start tweaking that's, stuff that's really right? cool yeah it's I, cool. I really like there's just like a small thing that like honestly just i was like wow that's just a little different yeah i really like that i like the small minute difference there yep uh there's a running shotgun drop from darby sending wayne into the turnbuckles uh, this nice, like, a really solid-looking cross-body collision. That was really cool. It was, both down. Uh, there's a fist bump for respect and a strike exchange, and Darby's kind of eating strikes from Nick, and then he grabs a mic, telling him to hit harder. He does, but Darby still eats it. Then um, he wants another shot, and Nick actually nails him with a really nice super kick for two. I thought yeah. that was nice. Uh, then we cut to a commercial break just after Christian and Luchasaurus walk out and head to the commentary table. Um, after that, uh, a little later on, we... Uh, see Nick connect with the Wayne's World that that uh, springboard cutter from yeah. the corner for two. I thought that looked pretty nice. He went for a top rope cutter. Darby pushes him off, but hesitates on a coffin drop. Uh, Wayne pinned Darby with the last up for two, so I thought that was kind of nice uh, mm-hmm. symmetry there. Now for a second, I'm like, is they gonna let him win this? No, no. Mm-hmm. Okay. I honestly, at first, I thought Darby was doing it. I was like, oh Darby, but then I was like, oh wait, no, Nick Wayne's pinning yep. him. Uh, code red for two from Darby. Um. And so the finish comes when I'll do my best to explain this. Nick Wayne's seated, and so Darby's kind of got, like, his legs over his head, and so he's, like, bending his arms back in, like, a butterfly yeah. kind of hold, and then he just starts kicking him in the head until he submits. Like, it was pretty gnarly. It's a little extra viciousness from Darby. I like Yeah. It. Um, one of the things I noted was, like, I thought it was funny that he didn't want to do a coffin drop, but then he was like, okay, I'll kill you. Yeah. Like, but I will say that was a pretty gnarly finish. It was unique, too, so I thought that was really cool. Yeah, um, another good match where the loser got a ton of offense, as happens in Darby Allen matches. 
memorable spots from Darby, the missed dive and stuff. Nick Wayne continues to look good, right? He, for me, it's the selling. I think he sells pretty well for a kid. I, I think he's just like super. He moves really well. Well-rounded and, and polished. I hate to do this to him, and I've seen other people do this, but they're like, this is a, a and this is really dangerous territory, but like a young Will Ospreay, right? Um, and you can he's see definitely... that's not fair to put those expectations on him. No. That's a lot not... for an 18-year-old, but, but you can he's, see. He's built like young Ospreay. And he moves either. really well, and he can fly. So I, I do think he has the makings of Will Ospreay. I'm not saying I would expect that of him, because Ospreay is on another Ospreay's level a right next now. next level athlete, too. Like, he's yeah. not... Like, Nick Wayne is... is he's, really... he's a really good wrestler. Yes. So I think it's no different, but Ospreay's but no, I like... like generational right i like now. this i like the finish because darby looking a little more vicious against his own friend right so that's a little different and it sets up uh roddy darby allen right which, which I should think be I sweet darby could sell the crap out of a backbreaker so a good main cool. event yeah i thought this was a really great tv match i really like the pace to it and it was entertaining i knew these two would work well just style wise and their history is really nice um his second tv main event and wayne looks really good um when he's given some actual time to shine like this in the swerve match i think he's awesome um, like the match at the Gates of Agony or something like that, that, you know, there, there's yeah. nothing you can really do there. So I thought, uh, he looks awesome when he actually has time to shine to show how great he is for considering he's two years older than myself. Right. Um, that superplex fisherman suplex combo was awesome. Just the bridge was really nice and unique. That super kick was nice. Wayne's world was cool. Um, the missed dive was absurd. Um, we had some really nice exchanges towards the end. I thought the finish was really cool too. Uh, that hold looked really painful. It just it looked brutal when we started yeah. just kicking him in the head. Um, but that was nice. Um, Darby Darby versus Roddy should be really nice, and that might make me watch Collision. Probably not on time because we'll be indying, but right. Um, I'll definitely check it out still. I had a feeling you'd get on board with Nick Wayne because I remember you're just like, "What's the hype that this kid?" But he's, yeah, I'm he's glad good, he's man. definitely proven himself. Though I I hope they give him like another match like this. I would love. For him to challenge Moxley. He's kind of like the Roxanne Perez, honestly. Like, it's that similar, Except like, a prodigy. Um, he should so face Mox. Overall, this show, like, there were no blow-away matches on this show. I didn't think at all. But there were good matches. And, and there good was segments. good segments. I liked Orange Cassidy segment. I liked um, the Hangman segment for sure. Stark's promo was really good. Um, matches, everything was pretty good. There was nothing I didn't like match-wise, but nothing that blew me away either. So this feels like a... I'm going to go a B. Not quite a B+, plus, but mm -hmm. almost. Um, yeah, solid show. And good matches. I wish there was something I'd say you have to go mm -hmm. out and see it, but a bunch of good matches if you do see them. I do think it's good, though, at least like even the women's match is good, because usually almost that seems like kind of lackluster, you know? But right. I think the women's match delivered here. I liked it, too. Yeah, good show. B, almost a B+, plus for me. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'd agree. I think all the matches were good. I think if you're going to check out any, I would check out the main event. Me I too. think that was definitely my favorite um, of the night. Um, my favorite segment was definitely Hangman and Swerve. I would also check that out. I thought that was really good. I agree. Um, however, MJF and Joe rivaled them simply for that crowd chant. So alone. long. That crowd Yeah, it did that, deliver a highlight. <laughs> that was <laughs> incredibly funny. Um, but generally, though, I think this show was really nice. I think it was just like uh, really stellar throughout. Um, I don't think there was any really low points, uh, which is good to say. Um, but I don't think anything was outright amazing. And I would give it like, I give it a low B plus maybe. I think it that's has, fair. I'm, I was close to it. I think it has room to improve, but I think it was it was a very nice show though. A nice fallout. Yep. All right. Well, that wraps up our dynamite review. We'll now tackle a bit of trivia here in a segment we like to call "Off the Top of His Head."
All right, so this week I found, it's not current, it was published in 2015 by the staff at the Sportster. That's not even current at all. And it's some of the, le- just so you know when to cut off your guesses from, right? So, sure. uh, least interesting wrestlers in WWE history. Now, I was already offended because the image they've chosen to put with it is Lance Storm, who... <laughs> He's not interesting. He was uninteresting on purpose, and he was fantastic in the I ring, and he was funny. covering it up. So, uh, anyway, so let's see what we get here. Um, I'm going to just go through and again some of these are not so kind so these are not my words these are the staff at the sportster so okay. don't get mad at me this man was supposed to be one of wwe's golden geese that would rekindle a love affair within the latino community with the corporation instead we got a bland champion who played the overdone rich guy del rio correct okay. i thought it was him already i've never heard people company. imply he was boring or not interesting I could, so that, that, i could understand that that was a weird start not personal things aside. Um, where is this? This awful named character uh, would barely ever see a WWE ring, and when he did, it was never enough to show off his talent. The WWE knew they knew they had a good talker, so they tried him on commentary and gave him a web series, but his run with the company ended quickly. Went back to his old name from the Indies. Always be remembered as one of the funniest and most charismatic wrestlers in the indies. Despite that, WWE managed to get him dull and boring. EC3? No. Somebody who is, uh, was friends with a guy you can't stand. Does that help you? Cabana? Yeah. Really? Yeah, Colt Cabana. Scotty Goldman (laughs) was what it was there. Interesting. Yeah. You're pulling away from your mic there. Um, only future Hall of Famer to appear on this list made a career of being really, really big. Was a much more capable in-ring competitor in his earlier days within WWE. Bigelow? Nope. Showed him. Nope. Um, years have taken his toll. Mostly a mid-card wrestler puts other talent over. Cheesy on the mic, faking tears, or trying to sound angry. Be remembered in the annals of WWE history books, but he has made a career out of being the sideshow, which is ironic based on his name. Sigler? Big show. Oh, damn. Um, talented in-ring performer, still quite young as of 2015. Still a plenty of room to grow. Look at his brother. Older brother who is on the main roster. Um, for him to come remotely memorable, he ha- will really need to work on his mic skills. Oh, Dallas? Yes. Nice. Um, I they're, think not a, they're not a believer. This is, it wasn't his fault he was put in some of the worst storylines in WWE history. So that's a hint already because it was one of his taglines. But it was sort of his fault for being... Uh, Snitsky? Yes. Looked like I, a powerhouse. Same one. I'm just finishing his. Okay. Looked like a powerhouse. Faded away into the background during his first stint. He had facial hair, which was somewhat cool. Then on a second run, his distinguishable feature was that he had yellow teeth. Oh yeah, et that was it. Etc. Etc. Okay, so you got that one pretty well. Never meant to be a big deal, as he was meant to be a bodyguard for Kurt Angle. However, he managed to make Mark Jindrak look like he had a future, so that just shows how bland he was. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) nice. That's a sick burn. Yeah. If um, Mark Jindrak, wow. So a lot. There's a trend in this list, right? They say a lot of them are really big and talentless. So there's your first hint. Heinrich. 
Upon entering the WWE, this man had a weird Hannibal Lecter type thing going on. But it was so lame that they scratched it immediately. They had such little confidence in him after his weak work in ring and on the mic that he was pulled from a tag team match with The Undertaker at WrestleMania 19. Oh, Nathan Jones. Correct. Wait, he was like Hannibal Lecter? How? That's like that when he first came in, he was like like um, a super violent okay. former criminal. I haven't watched those. What movie is that in? Clowns of the Lambs. That thing. That's the thing. Yeah. Uh, all right. This, this one's a bit harsh, too. When WWE decided to revive ECW, there was a hope that it would give some screen time to young and interesting wrestlers. Oh, is it test? No. Instead, we got this guy. Barely able to stay in ECW and bounced between there and FCW. Had a generic look, generic entrance music, and a generic moveset. Sylvester Trukai? Nope. Damn. So little to even say about him because he made appearances in ECW just three times and they were all losses. He was so bland, Canadian boy, that got over in, in NXT later. And is now technically in AEW, I think. Jerry, Jerry Lynn? No, Sean Why? Spears. Oh. oh, yeah. Use Gavin Spears. Correct. That is the name they used here. Nice. All uh, Any wrestling purist will agree that this man was one of the greatest to ever step foot in a ring. If we were talking about pure technical ability in elite company but aside from that he was exciting as wood shavings wow <laughs> almost exclusively feuded with women for some explicable ex- inexplicable reason in wwe wrestled in the wrong era if he'd wrestled in the 50s and 60s he would have been a Jarrett? high card guy Damn instead it. he was nothing more than a generic callback to the days that would not rise again technical superstar owen came to wwe as part of a faction Small guy. Malenko. Yes. Very good. I don't know how I got there, but yeah. Biggest case of wasted potential on the list. Came to the WWE after playing linebacker in the NFL. Had the looks, okay. look, charisma, and athleticism to be great despite being stiff in the ring. Due to stiffness in the ring, he was always a danger to other wrestlers, and many of them complained about his lack of technical skill. Fans reacted positively to him, but he rarely accomplished this on his own. The company always put him in places to succeed, and rarely did we see those flashes of what he could have been. Instead, we got a powerhouse who will be forgotten in the history books. I wish they would give you the era, because that would narrow it down, and I'm not good at doing that. Goldberg? Similar, reckless... Right, Ryback? No. Damn it. I was thinking Goldberg. Ahmed Johnson. Okay, now that makes sense. That makes Uh, sense. Wow, if you get this one. If you remember anything about this man that does not involve hair then you're doing better than 97% of wrestling fans. Another wrestler who had an impressive look, but failed in almost every other way. In-ring work was stiff when he had the chance to show it, and he never really touched a mic. Uh, Deciding to retire in 2012, he was rebranded as a stripper, which obviously didn't work either. Tensai? And I think he's... Albert? Trans. She. Trans woman? Tyler Rex. Correct. That's... I got... Okay. Yeah, uh, she is. Um, nothing more than a bland attempt to capture some attention from the mixed martial arts world. Something, Steve Blackman. No. Uh, Pseudo MMA fighter who came to the ring each week with gloves and a tracksuit. He rarely spoke, Dan leaving Sever. that to his wingman, Elijah Burke. Sylvester Turcotte. Yeah, I was going to say you already guessed it, but I didn't want to give it uh, to you. I was so confident with the Steve Blackman bit there. Um, let's see. This we one. love Sylvester Turcotte. All right. 
Never has there been a bigger waste of talent in WWE. Wow. And we don't mean his his wrestling ability or anything. Um, Really should have actually used his Harvard Law degree and become a lawyer. People often... People, one thing people think about is that he was married to Jennifer Hudson. That is not helpful to me. He did have some confidence on the mic and was serviceable as a backstage figurehead. Did some announcing too. Striker? No. I'm still thinking. Part of Nexus? Uh, Percy Watson? No. Otunga? Yes. I hate David. Oh, he was horrible on Kanda. I hate David Otunga. Just because you are a member of a legendary Anoi family, sorry. Uh, does not mean you are destined to be a good wrestler. This man was supposed to be the new member of the to Legacy, but made very few... Manu. Right. I remember he was being considered for that, right? Yeah. He had that one... There was that one segment where Ted DiBiase Jr. joined Legacy, and then th- him, Cody, and Randy Orton beat up Manu and uh, Sim Snuka. Right. That's right. Okay, if you get this one, you're good. Okay. The most memorable thing about you as a wrestler is that you wore sunglasses and a vest. You are not very interesting. To this day, I have no idea why the WWE thought they had something with this guy. He was not built. He was as green as a baseball field. And his accent was never really going to go over well with the fan base. It also did not help that he was shoved into the classic I'm making love to an older woman in power. My God, man. That is correct. I don't know why I thought it was him from the beginning. It was. I don't, the older That's woman thing cinched it for me because I, I knew he was with uh, Vicky Guerrero and I think he had like one or two Intercontinental title matches. This one's mean too. Next one. Forever be known as the guy that managed to stand next to Heath Slater and make him look cool. Part of one of the most exciting storylines in recent years, the Nexus invasion, but managed to quickly Gabriel? fall to the background. Really? Not long after making his roster debut, he was injured and written off television. Occasionally, you would see him in a backstage segment, almost never in a ring again. So uninteresting that he never really got a chance to fail. He was just a warm body to make the Nexus look huge. Skip Sheffield? No. Tarver? Yes. I was thinking Tarver for some reason. I was like, no. Why would it be Tarver? Uh, This guy never did anything other than lose to The Undertaker. You cannot... Oh, wow. Massive Argentinian never really spoke. Humiliatingly bad to watch in the ring and never proved to be more than a sideshow. Who's Argentinian? Nothing good to say about him except for his size, which seemed to cause problems for other wrestlers to try and work with. Is Heidenreich Argentinian? The only thing... This will be a good hint for you. Preventing him from being the least interesting wrestler ever is honestly that god-awful ring attire which makes him look like the joke of the wrestling world forever. Big Daddy V? No. Ring attire that had, like, fake muscles and fur. Oh, we're going Giant Gonzalez. We are really? going Giant Gonzalez. He's Argentinian. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, two more. Could have been an okay persona for a wrestler during the height of the Cold War. <laughs> he reminded you of Ivan Drago from Rocky, but just far oh, less interesting. Ludwig Borga. No. Right? Damn it. Uh, very like think of a more modern version of that though you're pretty here you go decided to, wwe decided to make his gimmick the fat uh the fact that he had no entrance music um ukrainian applauding ukrainian they call him here 2008 
mostly because it was one of the thinnest rosters Cosmo? in wrestling history. Yes. Nice. Was okay. actually in the title picture. He had no, he had no I knew music. as soon as you get year or even era, yeah, you're good. Years help a lot because then I can narrow it down. And the number one least Eric interesting. Is a weird poll. Would you just like to guess the number one least interesting ever in their mind? Is it Storm? No. They, I actually skipped him because we already mentioned he's like six or seven. Okay. There is an argument to be made, and one I most likely back up, that this man is the worst wrestler to ever step foot inside a WWE ring. Was never meant to be more than a large foil to a smaller superstar. All he could provide was being tall and awkward looking. He could was barely Tom speak. McGee? You know, he could barely speak English, which made him useless on a mic, and he never performed more than three moves in his WWE tenure. Despite all these negatives, he ended up carrying the world heavyweight title oh, it's once. It is Kali. <laughs> of course, it's Kali. Kali sucks. He he was terrible. Kali's that was horrible. That was pretty fun. Oh, that was fun. I'm proud of the Eric Escobar one. That was, a, that was a nice one. And I knew if I could just... I don't always remember the era. I knew if I could even give you a range, you'd get all Yeah, ranges up. help so much because, like, I don't know. It's so vast without that, you know? It is. Even for me. You still did very well. All right, so now we'll get back into talking about the week of wrestling, what we watched and liked and didn't like, and what we call high spots and rest holds. All right, so you said you had something from Raw, one thing maybe? Yeah, I just want to talk about my boy again because uh, we are a J.D. McDonough-friendly podcast. Here. We are. I love J.D. McDonough. Um, he was once again a prominent presence on Raw. He was involved in the Judgment Day segment. Uh, he gave Priest that custom case I showed you, the yep. purple one, which looks pretty cool. Yep. Um, and also seems to be kind of winning them over, so good for him. Yep. Uh, and then he actually beat Sami Zayn this time. It was a roll-up with distraction from Dom, but still, I'm ta- I'll give him the win this time because last time he lost. True. So that's he did, good. He did get kind of chumped after, but uh, I'm just happy he's doing things. I'm glad they're... He's already getting a bit more attention than I thought he might. Because they... Well, yeah, because they he's gave small, him... small, he's weird-looking. They Can't gave him, him a bit with Ziggler, but then they forgot about him and almost chucked him. But right. I'm glad they're actually doing things with Me him too. now. Me too. Really, he's awesome. I'm happy about that. Yep. Uh, NXT... So I kind of went high spots, rest holds, and a couple notables that were in between, but worth mentioning. The opener was one of those, just kind of okay. It was Tiffany Stratton successfully defending against Kiana James. Five-minute match to open the yeah, show. Yeah, how'd that go? They're both heel. Right? And I remember I said I thought this was the opportunity for them to have Stratton no. lean into being a face. Not the case at all. <laughs> um, she tried to cheat multiple times, including, like, I think there was a feed up on the ropes. She even grabbed uh, Kiana James' bag and was going to use that. And then when the ref went to put it away, she gouged her eyes uh, and won with her rolling senton. And the Baby face turned Kiana James and she starts partying again. And the prettiest moonsault ever. So, okay match. Nothing great. I did like Oro Mensa and Ilya Dragunov. I, d- I saw like Mensa nail him with a super kick at one point. The one that where was killer, where Dragonov was going for the Constantine I special, think that's what it and was. he caught he him in the ropes. It looked nailed awesome. Him. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah, I saw a clip of that. So there's a couple awkward moments early on where I think each man was supposed to look like they were anticipating another person's move, but it just came across a bit awkward. But then there was cool stuff like specifically that. And then Dragunov ended up winning with a nice-looking Torpedo Moscow. It looked more like a diving headbutt than it does sometimes. Yeah, um, it kind of depends on how he does it. But I thought it was a good match and a good showing for Mensa. And Dragunov's just awesome. I thought then we got a nice in-ring segment to set up an interesting match. So Wes Lee comes out right after Dragunov wins to talk to Dragunov. And he's basically like, I just want to let you know to your face 
that I'm next in line for Carmelo. I want my rematch because I was so close last time. Blah, blah, blah. Wasn't Dragunov also close? And Dragunov is complimentary of Wesley, but then says, like, he's next in line for Hayes and he's going to, like, starts to get his super intense and, like, I'll rip anyone's heads head off that gets in my way. And then Melo comes out. He sounds really smooth as usual. Sets up a number one contender match between Dragunov and Lee next week, which should be awesome. I, like, I might check that out. I would check that. I'm telling you, man, it's getting close to where you should just watch NXT again. Melo holds up the title while Dragunov and Wes have a stare down. Lee sounded fine. Dragunov and Hayes sounded awesome. Dragunov's just unique in his promo styles. It's like he's this intense Shakespearean mm -hmm. character but it works for him somehow, and I don't think it would work for anyone else. He's he's probably one of my favorite wrestlers anywhere right now. Every match he has is good, right? And then I think his character works good too. Um, one tiny little segment I liked super quick, because Dominic Mysterio is going to be the special guest referee. Oh, yeah, you told me about this. Um, so he's in the back in the locker room reading the WWE rule book and just like ripping pages out of it, which I thought was pretty funny. Very on-brand for him. Um high spot the match wasn't great but tyler Bate teased it and then did it and did it well he got daba kato for an airplane spin and actually like it was he was turning pretty fast so happy for Bate. he got the win here uh whatever daba kato it seems like they try and heat him up and then they're like oh he sucks so then he goes back to doing nothing and then they try and heat him up this in a like couple the third months different gimmick he's had he was baba right. tunde in the greatest Royal rumble then he went daba kato and he was a raw underground fighter. Then he was Commander Aziz, right? A Nigerian bodyguard. Now Dabakato two Dabakato more times. Now two point Like it's. Yeah, and I it's I weird. don't think his promos that he's done have been bad. Like super generic big man stuff, but not delivered badly. But just not very fun to watch. Uh, really enjoyed Mustafa Ali and Dragon Lee. Shorter than I would have liked. Fun while it lasted. Ali dominated a good portion of this. He hit a buckshot out of the corner. A buckshot off the announce table. Like a draping jackhammer. Lee had a nice counter into that float over float over a uh, sit out power bomb he does. Um and then I don't know why Dominic made this choice because Ali dominated this match, but he slow counts for Dragon Lee, then fast counts for Mustafa Ali. I guess is that building Dragon Lee is the real rival if he's I think so. viewed as a threat and he's like and uh, maybe Dom will try to strike some deal with Ali or I don't know. So Ali rolls gets the roll up here and he'll face Dom. I also really liked after the match because Mustafa Ali's still like straddling the line of face and heel. Yeah. So after the match, it's almost like he realized what he should do if he's a baby face. So he goes over and like, oh, I didn't want to win like that, blah, blah, blah. But he's still going to take the win, right? So I kind of like that. I, mean, I might be reading more into it than it was, but that's I don't know. how I I could I see him doing that based I liked on it. what I've seen. Uh, then another segment with Tra uh, Dragunov with Trick backstage. He approaches Trick and Trick like looks like he's going to defend himself sort of and Dragonov's like no no I um he's not there to fight him he's complimentary of Trick but thinks that Trick lied to Mello when he said that uh, he knew Mello could beat Dragonov and just like another like quick realistic like I respect you after our match but I think you're setting your boy up to get hurt sort of thing and lose his title right mm -hmm. so I liked it I actually liked something out of Eddie Thorpe this week he cut a really intense promo it was filmed after his loss to Dijak when Dijak cheated last week so it's just him mad and intense, and he's not done with Dijak. And his best speaking role for sure, because they were on the verge of doing what they always do, which is, and it's fine, I really like that you're trying to incorporate that he's a Native American, but it was basically one of those, like, that's all he is, right? Yeah. Like, it's just everything it's that, about that him. That defines him, So right? this was more like, 
He's a human being. He's mad. He lost a match. And I think he ended it speaking in uh, Native American language, which was cool. And like, it's a part of him, mm -hmm. but he's a normal person who happens to be Native American, not yeah. like he's Native American. That's it. That's all. That would have been 2.0, right? Right. He would have been like, he is that. everything about him is Native American <laughs> yeah. and there's nothing else about him. So I thought this was the best thing he's done, probably. Um, the Axiom Butch match in the Global Heritage Invitational was really good. Some nice holds and counters. You watched this, right? It went to a draw. Yes, um, I did watch it, yeah. Really good TV match. Butch I hit a nice sit-out powerbomb, although... I like the way he does it because his legs end up on him like so clean. like On the shoulders, like it ends up so clean. It's nice. I thought about AEW's rule about having to clear stuff because this was the third sit-out. There were three sit-out powerbombs on this show, right? So... Um, sweet bitter end. I thought it looked awesome because he came down on a it's nice a angle. I, I love it. Each end man gets a point. Really good match. Um, Von Wagner did this weird. I didn't even understand because I put rest hold. Von Wagner's ode to tables, but it was like a close up <laughs> of him saying like, you know, since I found you, the crowds really accepted me and blah blah blah. And I think you're supposed to think he's talking to stone, and then they zoom out that and he's talking to a I table. Had. Dumb. Um. Didn't enjoy Thea Hale and Gigi Dolan. To be honest, Hale still looks good to me. And she already, you watched this too. And I said, why is it that he, Thea Hale, who's like a teenager with the years experience, looks better than Dolan, who's been doing this for a very long yeah, time? Yeah, she's been Indying for a long right, time. For, right, for yeah. a long time. So Hale's being like mean girl mentored by JC Jane right now. And she was stopping Hale from doing like all of her usual chase you stuff, like because it's not cool. Hale won with the Kamor after four minutes. It was nothing special. You saw this segment and loved it as much as I did. Dana Brooke and Kalani Jordan. Ugh. Remember, like, Kalani said something. The first thing she said something was like, I'm so upset about whatever. And we both kind of went, are you? Because it was like the worst <laughs> acting ever. It was like she, she was delivered it like she was reading a grocery oh, list. I'm so upset. <laughs> Not even. You did it better than her. <laughs> it's like, I am so upset. <laughs> I'm very upset right now. And then, of course... Dana Brooke has to come in and try uh, and be angrier. And then Lyra's there trying to say that she'll face Brooke and trying to convince Jordan that Brooke is not her friend or whatever. And it's just like, I don't want Lyra pulled into this. She's awesome and she's starting to it's too late. behave like a normal person. But yeah, <laughs> this is not my favorite. Not behave like a, a vulture. Right. She's not a bird anymore. I like Tiffany Stratton. She had a promo commenting on facing Becky Lynch. Um, Remember she said something like, I've only been wrestling for two years and I've already been a champion when you hadn't done anything after two years, yeah. which I thought was a fair point, right? Um, she, and then she does her whole see you next week, bitch toodles, which I enjoy. She's good. Um, I thought the main event was really basic. It was a no DQ match with Braun and Vaughn. Braun gets the win, but Vaughn got the table spot as you expected. And he also ran Braun through a wall. And then they did a big spot at the end, right, where he's going to crush Vaughn's head with the steps. And it goes to black, and they make it act like the... Yeah, but I thought clearly, like, the steps were positioned to that, even, like, if it's... Land it's like when they do the concertos nowadays, where it's, like, designed to make a sound. So yeah. Like, like, it's... I think even if the lights are on... And like, I don't mind the idea. The idea was they went to, like, all black screen because it was too violent, and they couldn't show it, and yeah, the crowd's yeah. freaking out and whatever. So, interesting idea. We'll see where it goes. Um, did not enjoy Impact this week, but there's a few things. The opener was decent. Wasn't anything great, but I like the idea that it's Deanna Perrazzo getting ready to face Jordan Grace. So she faces another powerhouse in Danny Luna. Makes sense, right? Take another power lifter turned wrestler. Uh, Perrazzo won with the armbar. 
Crazy Steve had a pre-recorded video that I thought was pretty good. He's saying he's not crazy. He knows what he's doing. He turned on Tarus last week before Tarus could do it to him. And now he's going to face Tarus at Victory Road to end Decay. Still think this is really interesting. I think Tarus is a nice place to start. They have history. Tarus, unfortunately, never wins anyways. So yeah, Steve, he's, can, he's in again. Steve can pick up a win here. Um, didn't like Dreamers in Tears. He gets emotional so often. I've gone numb to it. <laughs> he's always doing these like nostalgic blah, blah, blah. And his career's on the line against Kenny King. They throw in Heath here to try and talk him out of it. No one cares. They couldn't possibly. Um, didn't like the tag team match. Henry and Yuya Uemura. They have a new dance when they enter, and Yuya has no rhythm whatsoever, so it's kind of funny. But the crowd was kind of... Oh, it's Joya. The crowd was kind of into it. Really basic match. They beat Cher and Sing. Uh, They won... Their finishers, the one-hit wonder, I think it was like an assisted neckbreaker. Anyways, then there was a better tag match. Sammy and Rich Swan defeated Subculture. Matt, 13-minute match. Subculture, not... Don't love them, but they do work really well as a team, and I kind of like Sammy and Swan together. Um... Lots of tandem stuff from Subculture. Swan with a 450 after a Sammy Death Valley driver for the win. Really good match. Leo Rush, Kevin Knight. Super, super athletes in a really good match that got a lot of time as well. Just so much speed and athleticism. Knight continues to impress me. I find myself looking forward to his matches. I saw Rush like brutalize him after. Yes. And it's just everything right now with Knight is fresh because I haven't seen him face anybody, and he's really good. He had a great match with a powerhouse in Moose and now had a really good one here against a really small cruiserweight, right? So I think a bright future for him. He lost here, obviously, um, because Rush is facing somebody tonight. I forget. Kushida. Correct. And Kushida's got ties to Kevin Knight. Right. Another nice vignette, really quick with Jordan Grace. She's basically, I think, was finishing training. I don't think it was a training montage. Anyways, it's just... it's a photo of Perazzo posted up with Owen 4 written on it and she tears it up so like not a word spoken but you know what the story here is I've yeah. never beaten this woman I need Simplicity. to be here cool uh, contract signing Alicia and Trinity Alicia again is like doing this super heel like Boston wine mom almost like they literally had champagne or wine with yeah. them so she was okay and then Trinity really doesn't say much. And in this company that doesn't like man-on-woman violence, Eddie Edwards blew thunder bombs I Trinity through that, a table. Yeah. So that was interesting. And last thing, a weak main event. It was Bully and Macklin, PCO, and Josh Alexander. Just uninspired. And, like, you listen to me do this every week. How many weeks is the main event just random people that from seems like, different feuds thrown that together? That seems like their thing. It's either tags or six-man so tags. WWE. All the time. And it's getting really, really boring. It feels like there's never any payoff to any major feud on TV ever, or even any really. Well, it's because they do too many pay per views. You've that's gotta exactly it. There. You're constantly smashing. It's kind feuds of the together. WWE thing, which I feel like they've somewhat eased up on, which I like. Yeah. So, Impact seems like they're in a real hot streak of every main event is just multiple feuds mashed together, some, and I don't like sort it. Sort of match involving too many people. So this one, the heels one, Bully Ray. Even though he's terrified, a PCO hit a low blow and they win. Really, a, like uninspired match. They never really got into gear, and it was I think Alexander's first match back. Possibly. No, that wouldn't have been. Then you have the match oh, yeah. time machine. That's right. Um, and I just can't stand PCO's work at this point. And that is it for me. Um, and we obviously didn't catch SmackDown because we were recording no. down here. I I did look at the clips, but nothing really. Nothing jumped out at you, and you said you had nothing for figuring this no. week. 
So we're in at a brief two and a half hours as it's quarter after 1 a.m. in the morning now on Saturday. So we need to get to bed. Um, thanks for stopping by to listen to us talk about wrestling in our basement. We really do appreciate it. Leave a comment wherever you listen. I promise else if I see it, and I usually do, I will reply to you guaranteed. Anyways, we look forward to seeing you back here for episode 165 next week. And until then, everybody, take care. <laughs>